1: Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary. Metro. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Doc Separate Podcast. The only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorking and the Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for. I am your host, Tenjo and with me, as always, are my Starfleet Rebels. Curse I see.
2: Smoke me a kippah, boys. I'll be back for breakfast. And
1: Ape and
3: Everyone gets a chance to be their own kind of hero. Your time will come, and when it does, watch out. Chances are it'll be the last thing you ever expected. Ooh. Also, hi. <laughs> hi! Hi!
0: Oh, hi! Oh, hi, Kumi. Oh, hey,
3: oh, 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 buddy. No oh, pressure. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> like, don't worry about it.
1: So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about sci-fi movies and TV shows and uh we'll start off with a little bit of a, a bio of uh both Gene Roddenberry the creator of Star Trek and George Lucas the creator of Star Wars
3: two titans
1: and then, yeah. yeah yeah i mean you, you got to talk about the two titans first and get that out of the way right first, we're talk about we're going to talk about like the, the smaller sci-fi shows and
2: Right, so yeah. we didn't pick S- Star Trek or Star Wars right, as, as right. one of our picks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: goddamn obvious.
2: Yeah, it's too, too obvious. obvious. Too yeah. Obvious.
1: So yeah. And then after that, we'll go into. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So we'll talk a little bit, a little bit about Gene Roddenberry, and then talk about Star Trek, about like you know, our thoughts and feelings about the the franchise, and then George Lucas, and do the same thing, talk about Star Wars and whatnot, and then we'll go into our Oct- Octoponder, and then we will go into our picks. We picked a movie and a TV show. And uh yeah, and then Tim has the, the B segment for today's episode.
2: Yeah. Sounds like a plan.
1: Yes. Love cool oh, so fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be so cool. From so here, cool. Here. Here. Um all right so <laughs> I will start things off. All
0: right. <laughs>
1: right, because I'm hosting. Yes. Yes. So all the information I got from from Gene and uh George were taken from the IMB IMDb in Britannica. Cool. So no, no Wikipedia, <laughs> none of that crap. Nice. <laughs> so, all right, so we'll start off with, with Gene Roddenberry. Uh, he was born August 19th, 1921 and died October 24th, 1991. While in junior high school, he became interested in science fiction and years later while reading a copy of Astounding Stories when he was working as an airline pilot, he decided to give it up and become a writer berry briefly attended Los Angeles City College, flew a B-17 bombers during World War II, and was an airline pilot from nineteen forty five to B-17 bombs. Not the B-52s? What? Everybody's
2: bombing places.
3: <laughs> but it non- wasn't just non- a bomb.
1: Specific.
2: non-specific. It
3: was a rock bomb star.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> He moved west and joined the Los Angeles police force to gain experience that would help him toward a writing career in Hollywood. He began selling scripts for television shows such as Dragnet and Naked City. He was head writer on Have Gun, Will Travel for two years, winning the Writer's Guild Award for Best Script. He created and produced The Lieutenant, followed by three years of the Star Trek television series, produced the films Pretty Mates All in a Row, and the first Star Trek film. In 1964, he began trying to sell the idea for Star Trek to producers, but not until September 8th of 1966 did the first episode debut on NBC. The series was repeatedly threatened with cancellation, but with programs Ardnit's followers, known as Trekkies, formed fan clubs and initiated letter writing campaigns to keep the series alive until September 2nd, 1969. So, for people who are not familiar Star with... Star Trek getting canceled. What the so, for people who are not familiar with the original series, in the intro, they stated it was going, going to be a five-year mission. Unfortunately, it was just a three-year mission, because that's how many seasons the show had. Uh, Star Trek chronicled con- con- the 23rd century adventures of a cast of characters headed by Captain James T. Kirk, Mr. Spock, and other officers in the in the starship enterprise the 79 aired episodes of the series presented an optimistic view of life in the future as it traced the crew's mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations and to boldly go where no man has gone before so true just so true yes like
3: totally bold
1: so bold so bold Star Trek enjoyed astonishing success in syndication and eventually spawned an an animation series from 1973 to 75. A series of theatrical films and numerous spin-off series were also made. He was also executive producer of the sequel television series Star Trek Next Generation from 1987 till his death in 1991. So, the inspiration for Star Trek, you you might be asking yourself. Americans were afraid of World War III, and... What the techn- technological wonders of the space race with the Soviets would lead to the extinction of mankind. Gene Roddenberry didn't think that way. He <laughs> tapped into the timeless spirit of American optimism and depicted a peaceful vision of the future. The yeah. stories often reflect his social views. His characters are often very diverse, covering many races and ethnicities. Frequ- frequently used sci fi stories as metaphors for social issues. Many of his antagonists are portrayed as good inv- individuals taken over by fanaticism. His stories often have a conflict between emotion and logic. Many episodes of Star Trek had a minor character known as the Red Shirts. For all those non Trekkies <laughs> out there, the Red Shirts that die in every episode.
3: Yeah. Uh, and the start of the meme of, you know, just the, start of like- the meme, Yes.
1: So they die to show the danger faced by the main characters. Best known for his utopian vision of the future in which war and poverty have been eradicated. His view of people as being inherently decent and willing to help each other. Inherently decent. Inherently decent. (laughs) Known for having everyone's just like okay. Just okay. (laughs) Some people are just born okay. Maybe I was born okay. (laughs) Maybe it's Maybelline. (laughs) (laughs) known <laughs> <laughs> for having diverse casts with many races and creeds represented in the characters so that's it for Gene Roddenberry so okay. what one of the things I always loved about Star Trek was the fact that poverty and war never existed well they eradicated it. but until they started traveling obviously no shit happened the right, species are just like just pricks in general, and you find all of course, kinds of awful like, shit
3: outside. All, of yeah, your outside own of blender.
1: your own universe or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, Star Trek. I grew up uh, watching the original series with my dad, and I've been hooked ever since. And when Star Trek: Next Generation first aired, I was so fucking excited. So I thought it looked so freaking good. And uh, yeah, uh, and Data is was like or is like one of my favorite. Star Trek characters because no, as a kid, I I loved robots and as an android or a robot or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I just Mm -hmm. immediately was drawn to him. I just thought he was yeah,
2: he was he was definitely the Mister Spock of next gen for For sure.
1: sure. Yeah, for sure. You could tell they were trying
2: to like come up with a different Mister Spock, somebody who's very quiet and orderly and logical, and but he became a very different character, but. You know, you can tell that that's what the idea was. You know, I uh, I want to say that with Next Generation, um, that show started the year we became friends, Joe.
1: That's true.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: very true. I remember. Oh. I remember. Yeah, dude. So mm-hmm. I remember in the so vividly. I remember in the third grade, we sat next to each other because we shared the same homeroom, and uh, I remember you drew data.
2: Yeah, I Drew Data and Jordy, and that was like. I say data.
1: Oh my god, I meant yeah.
0: data. <laughs> You're
3: a total scientist. now. Did I say You're data? Data.
2: I I I meant I meant Wesley Crusher. Oops. If you want to uh, be
3: from uh, Rhode Island, you could say Dater.
2: Dater. <laughs> dater. Um. Yeah, and uh, that was like after the first episode or something. I remember that too. I yes. totally yeah. remember that. 100%. I think.
1: I think that was one of the things that. Drew us together too. That's why we became so. The drawing, the drawing drew the drawing, and plus now our show was a draw. Drawing, <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what are all. your your thoughts and opinions on Star Trek or memories, if you have any?
3: I mean, I think that Star Trek is, you know, a, a property that I grew up with because of you guys. Um, because you know, I think. Next Generation was on a lot um, in our house and stuff. And, um, you know, going back and revisiting Star Trek later in life, I feel like I didn't appreciate Star Trek when I was a kid. Like when yeah. I was super young, it is it is a way more in-depth, you know, headier show that mm-hmm. is about talking about, you know, different sorts of motivations and different kinds of people and cultural, you know, kind of comparisons and shock and uh, you know, all the things that come with, you know, trying not to bring uh, technology to, you know, planets that shouldn't have it. And like all mm-hmm. these different considerations. And it's like it, it to me as a kid translated to, you know, there's a lot of talking and there wasn't yes. really a lot that was exciting as much. Um, yeah. But being older and watching these shows, I mean, I was going through a large part of um, the next generation uh, maybe four years ago and uh and i just love it i just honestly love it and it made me you know truly feel like i would love a lot of what star trek has to offer um just because it, it tells such interesting stories and does a great job getting a chance to you know kind of explore concepts and topics that you don't always get to see talked about in um mm-hmm. uh, in in sci-fi you know there's all kinds of diplomacy and and you know dealing with racism and then also dealing with like you know just actual sci-fi stuff like you know a mysterious creature or something Mm -hmm. um and yeah i mean i i honestly feel like there is some episodes just from watching it a few years ago that still have stuck with me really really Mm -hmm. firmly and like the the writing is just excellent the acting's great um, and that's just one iteration, you know. I can't really speak about anything else. It was—it's only TNG for me, um, and you know, it's just made me want to kind of keep exploring and, and mm-hmm. check out some of the other ones. But yeah, I a hundred percent get it. You know, I understand, and I understand how Star Trek can have its fans that don't necessarily translate to Star Wars fans. Like, I, I never understood right. it before, and I'm like, I get it. I still like both, um, but. <clears throat> You know, I understand that like one isn't necessarily going to do it for the other unless you're mm. in for two different styles of sci-fi. Yeah.
0: Um, right?
2: They just happen. They just so happen to be the big tentpoles of yeah. you know popular sci-fi, but they are not super comparable. Honestly, right? right I mean, right. it's like sure there are spaceships, sure there are aliens, but like. <laughs> The format is utterly different. I mean, if you're yeah. talking about original Star Wars, it's just movies. It's just three movies. It's, it's right. very finite. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: more drama than anything right. else. Really. Exactly.
2: And you know what? You know, it's kind of ironic, you know, thinking about it. Uh, I've sort of never thought of this before, but <laughs> for some reason, this just popped into my head. And I, I feel like this is pretty true. It sort of seems like, you know. Where the original Star Wars was, you know, much more action, fantasy, adventure, and Star Trek was, you know, politics and talking and you know diplomacy and that kind of stuff. Um, that sounds like the Star Wars prequels. It seems like to me that maybe Lucas was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make Star Wars into Star Trek. And that's what people want. Only he right. sucked at it.
1: Yeah, it's really bad at it. Like like
2: yeah. I but seriously, think about it. Like the prequels are all the things Definitely a lot more. He, yeah. All the things that he added are Star Trek things. They're not Star Wars things. And that's why right. I think the the prequels ended up being like such a weird like it was so unsatisfying to fans of Star Wars but yeah. I don't know all those things were done well in Star Trek Star Trek I I started watching the original show when I was a kid as as well uh, it was a show that I always stopped and watched if I saw that it was on same thing with Scooby-Doo at any time mm-hmm. if there yeah. was an episode of Scooby-Doo or Star Trek it's like oh my god Even if even if I wasn't really planning on watching a half hour or something or I was going to stop watching TV because I had been watching for a little bit and then I saw that that was coming on or even the Star Trek cartoon when I saw that that was that was going to be on I just had to I had to watch um, and you know it definitely you know I, I, on the show I talk a lot about uh, you know adventure and exploration and like these are the kinds of things that I love in the big pervasive worlds and stuff like that. And, uh, and star Trek definitely deserves credit for that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of, we're going to go on this planet and see what we can see. And it's going to be different. And obviously the old show had very, very limited budget and a lot of aliens that just look like humans, but um, you know, right. next gen, next gen got a lot better, had a much bigger budget and you got to see, more makeup effects and more different kinds of places and
0: right um, like, like even the the
1: Klingons like evolved like you go from like the original to next generations just like yeah like, you would never know that they were the ones from next generation or like the actual Klingons from the original series is totally different
2: right right
3: yeah and even the Klingons in TNG season one versus season two like the effects got better yeah you, know, you can it. see like yeah. they improved just from you know getting the confidence after season one doing well.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, the whole forehead thing didn't even exist on the old show, right? They were just they were just brown. They were just white dudes in brown face, It right? was like,
1: actually in, yeah, so there was actually wow. an episode in uh, Deep Space 9 where um they they go back in time to uh to the the, the era of uh, Captain Kirk and everything and and they're on the they're on the Enterprise mm-hmm. and the way how they did it was so good. Was like you, could, like you could not tell that it was all edited. It was like it was, it looked like it was from the original series. They they've done an excellent job with it.
2: And they did like oh, yeah. the forest Gump thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, and Worf was with them, and they came across the original Klingons, and <laughs> Worf was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, Ugh. and I was like, "What? What's wrong?" I think Kling, I think Klingon like. Yes, but there are cousins. We don't speak of them. <laughs> <There's> something <laughs> along those lines. I just that's it was really crazy. funny.
3: They're like we have the G one Klingons as their own separate thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So I, I thought that was that was
3: pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah. no, that's neat. Um, and Star right. Trek
2: did did have the phasers, so you know yeah, you yeah. got to see some every once in a blue moon. That's like the equivalent of the, the lightsabers. You know, like that's the cool mm. weapon. Yeah. Every once in a blue freaking moon, they would phaser somebody and they would like turn into a skeleton and disappear. <laughs> like, that's yeah. like something. seriously a on If it was on, it it was was on
1: kill or whatever. Yeah, if it was on the level.
2: Oh my God. Like, I thought time. that was crazy when that yeah. would happen.
3: Yeah. Phaser uh, set to
1: Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, <shit>. Not quite. <laughs> Yeah. Another thing that I I loved about um, the next generation was um, instead of having like the the red shirts or the whatever, the people just randomly die, people you don't care about. They Mm -hmm. actually killed off one of the main characters, and that was one of those holy fucking shit moments. Like they killed off one of the main characters. Yar, they did. Tasha Yar, they did. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, my god. And I remember, like I. I binge watched the entire series not too long ago and going back watching that episode was it was really emotional. Like you felt really bad for Tasha Yard, just the way how she dies so needlessly. It's like and pointlessly. It's like what the fuck? And then and then the whole funeral thing's like wow. Like,
0: yeah, was, yeah.
1: It, was, it was a powerful episode for me anyways.
2: Yeah, I, I always kind of uh, I don't know. i I always hated the way they killed her off. It felt very like like, oh, you're gonna leave the show, so we're not going to give you a good death <laughs> right like because they could they could have, yeah, because I mean, they could have given her a death that meant something, but instead it was right, just random, was, which
0: it was, it was
2: random, yeah, in in and of itself is like, okay, well, random deaths happen. you know, this is a dangerous line of work. So there's some value to that. As well, but I don't know. From from a narrative standing point, it's like, uh, what? Yeah,
3: Yeah. like it's a it's a bummer that that her death did not have like you know more of a a heroic meaning to it or any kind of thing like that. I think it also caught you off guard that much more because it was just so. flippant that was it. That was definitely it was so. It was such
1: a a random thing. Yeah, when I was was watching that.
3: Not in any way expecting, I'm mean, frankly, anyone to die, but also not <laughs> right. like that. You know, it's like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like, so so that-
2: I distinctly remember that the whole week, all the promos for the show told you that someone was going to die.
1: That's that scary. was
2: the... Yes. Yeah. The They're like, who's it going to be? Someone will die this week on Star Trek Next Generation. And we're all like, what? what? So, I mean, I was... <laughs> You know, we were all the, the people at the time who yeah. were watching it for the very first time were 100 percent expecting a death, like which okay. sucks. Um, yeah. and yeah, then it totally when undermines the fucking yeah, story, it does. It yeah. And then Thanks, when that CBS, right, whatever. and then when that happened, yeah. it was like, oh, that's that was sucked.
3: Like that was it. Okay, right.
2: whatever. Right.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. That no, that really does super color it differently. Yeah. Um. But well, yeah, I don't know. Um, I I am like super curious to watch Deep Space Nine, uh, just because I feel like it's one of the most like divisive seasons of the yeah. show. Um, and I don't know. I I am that person. Like I want to watch the things that people hate because I want to. I think look at them objectively and be like, okay, is this deserving of all this hate? Or is it just because it's coming from like a point of of bias that you expected something that this isn't? Like, I I don't know. I'm always drawn to I'm always drawn to watching shit like Uh, that. Right. But
2: I don't know. I I feel like at this point in history, everybody loves Deep Space Nine. Yeah. I think that oh I think think it's it's become the vogue one to say is your favorite because like forever it was always TNG. And I feel like it's now in vogue to be like, no, 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 no. No, no. It's and Joe obviously me. changed his opinion. So yeah, the one that I watched it think and loved that. It. I think yeah, Voyager that... gets shit on, like, oh, M- oh, so. yeah, yeah. You know,
3: Voyager yeah. is the one
2: that gets shit on. Like, and, and everybody I mean, loves Deep Space Nine.
3: Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I, you know, I, I really hope sincerely that Voyager doesn't get shit on because of the, the female captain. That'd be horrible. But I don't I, I, think, I, I, don't, I think
2: don't think so. so. Maybe
3: not now, but I
1: remember, I remember time probably
3: part of it. But I don't know why Yeah. I don't know why people dislike it as much, but I know Deep Space Nine was like, oh, okay, well, we're stationary, you know? Right. We're on a space station. We're not adventuring yeah. to yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah. that's honestly interesting, though, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that sometimes when you get something that's such a different approach to something, like, oh, Steve, what were we just talking about? When, when like, a sequel just goes so hard, like, such a hard left, it doesn't rest on its lores at all. Like, I respect it so right. much more. Instead of doing, like, the obvious... Sequelitis. Thing, well i mean like i mean
2: the main thing that always comes to mind is bogus journey that that's that's my favorite example that's a that's a, that's a very what good a yeah. sequel should do it just doesn't repeat the first one at all right, right. Yeah. um yeah. but yeah no i think at the time people were down on deep space nine but that was a very long time ago at this point yeah you know, we're talking like what was that like 92 it like
3: 90 it, been, it was like no mid, mid, mid 90s 96 97 yeah. right yeah, I know, I know TNG was like around. When I was so
2: born. it was yeah. definitely not 96, 97. So I graduated in 97 and I remember that the current Star War was uh, Star Trek was uh, Voyager and that had been on for a couple of years. So really? Deep Space. Yeah. So Deep Space did, Nine started way before. Some maybe it was still going though? on.
1: Yeah. I, maybe I'm, it was still, still going sure. on. in 93. 93. Okay. Yeah. All right. Deep so I said
2: ninety yeah,
1: I, yeah. I, I was thinking like later than that but so was, I,
2: yeah so okay. i said 92 so okay. i was only off by yeah, yeah
3: well the only thing i was going by is i know there's a there's a uh a sega genesis deep space nine game and uh man let, let so, me tell good. You that's, so good what so good the fucking best game right there no like not even a little bit but it's it's <laughs> really funny and like the the music in that game sounds like whoever was doing the drum samples like sampled somebody slapping a trash can yeah, like, a, yeah, like a like a yeah, like a fucking plastic yeah. trash bin just slapping the fuck out of it so it's like pack 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 pack, pack. and like the Did music is so, in after he, after so inappropriate in <laughs> like oh. I, I feel like the the music is only just in appropriate inappropriate because you have fucking right right it's like it's like Metallica's <laughs> album exactly. But, uh, yeah, like, you, you know, you have the captain, like, running around the ship just being like, oh, yeah, let me just, like, find some people. And it's, like, it's, like, this, like, overly, <laughs> like, grungy, like, rock music. And I'm There's like, what the no
2: sound. Fuck? There's, like, no music virtually in Star Trek. Yeah, it's like, so, nothing.
3: like, bombastic, like, Genesis butt rock. It, but, like, really, like, <laughs> grimy. Like, that Genesis grimy sound. Like, that, like <laughs> no, this is Booger
2: This is... Like, Booger, Right. Not- this is not right DS9. and you're just
3: like running around just, just like oh gotta go you know find find the, whoever the fuck on Deep Space Nine and it, and uh, I just I remember playing this game with Will and being like what the actual fuck was going on with the composer like they just went ape shit <laughs> and these drums are so insanely loud like
2: Sega was like look we got this whole soundtrack for Boogerman 3 that's never gonna come out so why don't you just use it throw it'll it in there fine. it'll be come fine on. Yeah, I've never seen a Star Star Trek before, but isn't it isn't it kind of butt rocky? Yeah,
3: yeah, it's (laughs) grimy
2: uh, butt rocky, isn't that isn't that the hallmark of the series? And
3: and I mean, and the thing is, is like the music is great, like it's fucking awesome, but it just does not fit. fit, It's like this is tone deaf to what your game is. It's just Mm -hmm. like um, here's some music that doesn't apply. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, you literally uh, just need the like the ambient like, noise ambience, of the sounds of the ship that's always yeah. going on that's all you need yeah. in a game just yeah. <laughs> like that's it but right yeah, yeah i so i remember like really liking deep space 9 um but i didn't see past like maybe season 3 or 4 so i certainly didn't finish it um
1: yeah it it got like <laughs> after that point it gets like
2: Right, and I know everybody really says does. that because I didn't see like the Dominion War stuff, and everybody loves all yeah. that. And um, like I didn't see like what ended up happening with the Cardassians and stuff. Actually, the Cardassians were kind of like my favorite. Kim Kardashian? Uh, no, the Card Cardassians
1: <laughs> kind of, are not
2: in Star Trek, but the Cardassians are. Kardashians are. <laughs> yes. Huh, weird. Yeah, they are They are cool looking. They're very different and they are very antagonistic. And I was just like, you know what? They may be stand-ins, stand-ins for the Romulans, but I am just appreciating not seeing that same goddamn haircut that's on oh, every man. Romulan, that's on it every is. Vulcan. Like, enough. Yeah. What is your obsession with these freaking the same exact bowl cut? Like, at least the Cardassians looked really different. Um, yeah. I mean obviously the Klingons did too, but you know, we had done a lot of Klingon stuff over the years mm. on the TNG and stuff. So I don't know. Mm. I, I I know that the Cardassians showed up in TNG at somewhere at some point, but and just like the Ferengi. But uh it was it was nice to see characters that recurred and were major parts of the show being of these races. And I thought that um I thought Gul Dukat was just an awesome character. Yeah. And um I never saw his final like arc. So for me, it, for me, my memory of Gul was that he was, uh, probably really bad, but kind of like, you're know, like, well, maybe he's just a guy who just justifies, you know, the means justify the end sort of thing. And maybe he's not that bad, but, um, I know he, he gets pretty bad, but, um, I, I thought he was really cool. And who's the, uh, who's the good Cardassian was it Garrick
1: or something. Yes. Yeah.
2: He was so great. Yeah. And Garrick, I only just learned this. The actor is the actor from the original Hellraiser who plays the dad in Hellraiser. Oh. It's like a, a a big character in the first Hellraiser. Yeah. I just yeah. learned this. Wow. Um, Interesting. <laughs> Me <laughs> like too, actually.
0: actually. Okay.
2: Just no now. idea. But <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah, Deep Space, Deep, uh, Deep Space Nine was definitely a show I just... Couldn't care less about it at the time because you know, like Tim said, I was like, okay, it was a station, yay, who cares, mm-hmm. right? And then I watched Babylon five with with Bill many years ago. I'm like, huh, you know what? This isn't so bad. It's actually quite good. It's very, yeah. very good. <laughs> it's <laughs> <quite> good. <laughs> good. It's quite good. It's quite good. So, so I'm like, you know what? I'll just I'll give the show another shot. Yeah. Yeah. Why the hell not?
2: that's so cool i mean that's so cool and it yeah, ended up being I, your favorite
1: i binge watched the entire thing and my opinion yeah. on it is totally different now it's it's one of my favorite shows i think cisco is probably my one of my favorite captains oh for sure avery brooks so oh my god oh, i love avery brooks he is so he's, his his
2: voice is one of the best voices yeah he's he's like a keith david that he's like a keith david or a morgan freeman or he's like one of those like voice guys that gets no credit he's never in the conversation for like best voice it's like when people say oh who do you want to narrate the story of your life or something like that it's always like the same few people it's like uh dude avery brooks can totally narrate the story of my life like it would would be amazing Sound really good
1: i want him to as well
2: he's really really good he's got (laughs) an incredible voice
0: They're yeah, really
2: good. <laughs> yeah, he was he was very very even keeled, which is really cool because we came off of uh, Picard, who is kind of a hothead and kind of an arrogant prick sometimes. Yeah, and like you know, Avery Brooks, I mean, I mean, Cisco was just like not like he was very very calm, very even keeled, very controlling of his own emotions, and very and intelligent too, very like, like, smart situations. Yeah. He was very cool, and then yeah. you you go to Janeway, who is who is great in a different way. I mean, I yeah, really. I didn't love uh, Voyager, but I I did like Janeway, and I do think she's a great captain. I really like her as a, a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was more of a I don't know, like a combination between Kirk and and Picard like because she wasn't afraid to go do stuff and like Picard rarely left the bridge it seemed like or at least the, sh- the ship he he rarely like went down on on missions or whatever and I don't remember if Janeway did either but I feel like she maybe she did she did she did she, did she leave the ship for away did, stuff yes. yes like I feel like she was more adventurous than I, I can picture her shooting a lot more phasers than Picard is yes. um yeah. But she she was really cool, and i I think that um, I think Kate Mulgrew. This is my Kate Mulgrew voice. <laughs> Hello, I'm Captain Janeway. Uh I'll just talk like this for the rest of the episode. I think she's. she's I think she's, she's cool. Dumb. I think she's really Absolutely,
1: cool. Absolutely, yeah. Um, she, uh, she was reprised, awesome on she, Orange Is
2: the New Black. Like, really, really awesome.
1: She reprised and, her role in. Um, uh, Star Trek Prodigy.
2: Oh, yeah, there's a kid that kids show,
1: right? Yeah, the CGI show, right? Which I think it's really cool. It I, mean, is cool. Not, I mean, I, yeah, you're not, you're not sick. I'm not, not, not six. Yeah, I'm not but it's, she's, cool. you know, she's back in the franchise. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really freaking really cool, right?
2: Totally. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig her. So, so Joe, yes, um, if you had to put like your top five.
0: In Star order, extras. yeah,
2: so obviously, number one is Deep Space
1: Nine. I think it was like from like my favorite to least okay. Favorite. okay, okay, okay. So gotcha. D- number two is D- next D- gen, D- okay, yeah, and then uh, Enterprise, and then Voyager, and then the original, nice. and then and then Picard season three. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody so, is having a
2: really good time with Picard I mean, honestly, season three. That's cool. I mean, honestly,
1: just don't even bother the first two seasons. Just, just watch three. Just watch three seasons. That's all I <laughs> I've you seen
2: do. the first season. I haven't I haven't gone past it, but um I I gotta I gotta get there. I gotta do it right. I can't yeah. just skip a
1: season. <laughs> I, I, honestly you can because season two <laughs> is like Honestly, it, ha- it, can. Has, it does not. The way how season two starts and then ends it has nothing to do with season three or season one. It's just it's a pointless season. <laughs> like I don't know <laughs> why they made it the way they made it. Weird, which is really dumb. But um, yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's nice.
2: That's All right, so that's dude. Titan number one, elephant mm-hmm. in the
1: room number one. Yes, of the sci-fi number, shows number and movies. Number two, George Lucas, born May Fourteenth, nineteen forty-four. He's still with us, thankfully. Um, During his late teen years, he went to Thomas Downey High School and was very much interested in drag racing. He planned to become a professional race car driver. However, a terrible car accident just after his high school graduation ended, that dream permanently changed his life forever. Like, he changed his views on life and everything. So he could not race anymore. That's a big Hmm. one, though. Hmm. So he decided to attend the Modesto Junior College before enrolling in, a, in the University of Southern California Film School. As a film student, he made several short films, including Electronic Labyrinth, THX 1138, for mm-hmm. eb which came out in 1967, and that won first prize at the 1967-68 National Student Film Festival. In 1967, he was awarded a scholarship by Warner Brothers to observe the making of Vimean's Rainbow, and that movie came out in 1968. Lucas and Coppola became good friends and formed American Zotrope, Zotrope in 1969. The company's first project was Lucas's full-length version of the THX 1138 film, and that came out in 71. In the same year, Coppola went, went into production for The Godfather, and Lucas formed his own company called Lucasfilm LTD. In 1973, he wrote and directed a semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. American, <laughs> uh, autobiographical, uh, American mm-hmm. Graffiti that
3: came out
1: in 1973, which won the Golden Globe for garnered and garnered five Academy Award nominations. I had no
3: idea that American Graffiti was supposed to be autobiographical. I had no idea.
2: I've, I've, never, I've seen never seen it. Seen this, so I no
1: I've idea. never seen it. I haven't it.
3: seen it either. It didn't look interesting, but now I kind of want to see it.
1: Right. Okay. This gave him the clout he needed for his next daring venture. From 1973 to 1974, he began writing the screenplay, which became Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Inspiration. He was inspired to make this movie from Flash Gordon and the Planet of the Apes films. In 1975, he established ILM, which stands for Industrial Light and Magic, to produce the visual effects needed for the movie. Another company called Sprocket Systems was established to edit and mix Star Wars and later become known as Skywalker Sound. His movie was turned down by several studios until 20th, 20th Century Fox gave him a chance. Lucas agreed to forego his directing salary in exchange for 40% of the film's box office take and all in merchandising rights.
2: Pretty freaking smart. Basically the smartest thing you could like anyone has ever done, basically, except for like, you know, you know, buy stock in Apple in the like
1: 1980s. Right. The movie went on to break all box office records and earned seven Academy awards. It redefined the term blockbuster and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. His films usually feature a battle scene, which takes place around a large shaft or pits characters. He, he has created, often have a bad feeling about this, as in all the Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones movies. Um, stunning visual effects sequences provided by Lucas's own special effects company, uh, abstract and innovative sound design, uh, which is from THX 1138, Star Wars Episode Four, and yeah, I guess that's it. Um, according to Lucas, one of the themes of, in all of his films is man's relationship to machines and technology, either controlling them or being controlled by them. High energy action scenes being fast-paced montage, including all films in Star Wars and Indiana Jones. frequently used the famous Wilhelm Wilhelm? Wilhelm?
3: Oh, scream? yeah, the Wilhelm, Wilhelm Scream, scream. Wilhelm scream?
1: Yep. Okay. Sound effect in his films, the sound yep. effect has been used in dozens of movies.
3: I have to sp- I have to stop you. So someone just recently discovered the full audio take for the Wilhelm Scream. There was a university that had like a bunch of its old audio recordings and stuff like that, like um, preserved or dumped or whatever online. And somebody uploaded online the full take of like the director being like, okay, now, you know, sound like you're getting, we want a man being bit by a crocodile. And Mm -hmm. then the actor who does the Wilhelm screen, you know, it takes like, you know, few takes, you know, tries it, whatever, and he's like, no, 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 it can't just be a Yelp, it's gotta be a real scream, and then bang, there's the fucking Wilhelm scream, and then he tries (laughs) it, like, two more times, and that's it, and it's like, you know, it's like a minute and a half, and it's the full, uncut, like, in the studio of when the wilhelm scream was recorded and i'm like wow. oh my god this is the coolest fucking thing it's like history right here in the making who who the fuck would have known <clears throat> that this man getting bit by crocodile scream session would become so unbelievably famous that is wow. freaking hilarious and That's that is insane. actually
2: uh and for those interested that uh that movie that you're talking about is called distant drums And it was a 1951 Warner Brothers movie. Uh, And yeah, you can just look it up on YouTube. Uh, It's pretty easy to find the clip of the original Wilhelm Scream. The guy's in the water and he just, he does it. He does it for real. That was the one. And they just sampled that for ever. Everyone. I think that maybe Star Wars kind of brought it more to the forefront and then it has become something that directors try to put in movies wherever possible because it's just a neat funny thing. Not because yeah. they don't have another scream. It's yeah. just, anytime you hear the Wilhelm scream, it's, it's because somebody is paying yeah. tribute to it. It's like I will I will work it in. You yeah. know yeah. It's really cool. Right. Anyway.
1: Nice. Re-releases uh new versions of his films with enhanced special effects much to the chagrin mm. of critics and fans chagrin
2: um, i had lots of that chagrin
1: stuff i still do chagrin his stories often feature older more experienced characters educating younger ones science fiction and fantasy themes in his films frequently tells his actors the line faster with more intensity often uses soft edge wipes has transitions between right. scenes in his film, as
3: we just saw in Mandalorian. Yeah. All those soft edged wipes, love that yep. shit. I will yeah. have
1: to say that is to me, you can't have Star Wars without that. Swipe. Without
2: the wipes, yeah. I know the fucking
1: wipes, man. Yeah, I fucking want that shit. It's
2: it's funny because even when he was using them, it was like it was like essentially dead technology. Nobody really. It's just so cheesy and weird that you know nobody's. It's like no one's gonna use the star wipe. Like, no one's gonna that. That is for <laughs> right, that is for middle
3: school, nobody video production. <laughs> that, right. that is
2: morning announcements and nothing else. That is all that is. Right.
3: All right, in my so like, shareholders meeting for today, we got uh 50 of our you know top shareholders, and uh, all right, I want to show you this graph here. Our right, star yep. wipe, star wipe, uh, star You guys just see that
2: star,
0: star wipe? wipe? Um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna need <laughs> some, we're is gonna it, need a new star PR guy. It's
2: also, I guess, for like you know. When you used to be able to go to the mall in the early '90s and like make Mark Gormley quality like music videos at places, and like that's what you would use. You'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna star wipe. I'm gonna throw some star
3: wipes on that. I want to be a star, so I have to use the star wipe." Yeah,
2: right. But essentially, like all the the horizontal wipes are like as dumb, almost. You know, they're they're really just. Not something that was overly used, and I don't know why he exactly did it, but he, he was like, no, I'm, he, I'm just going to use these, and I'm going to keep using these. And, uh, I mean, almost every movie ever uses two cuts. It's either a hard cut or it's a yep. dissolve. That's, yep. like, yep. all yep. there yeah. is. Pretty right? much. You know, uh, yeah. most movies do not go beyond that. But anyway, yeah, the, yeah.
1: the, the wipes are pretty intrinsic, for sure.
3: Absolutely. Uh, big time.
1: Uh, just a few more here. Uh, frequently uses composer John Williams to score his films. Likes to shoot films in documentary style and homages to both classic cinema and adventure uh, serials. Yes. Serials. Yep. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. So serials were basically movies that they cut into episodes that played. They were more popular like in the '30s and '40s, and sometimes when you would go to see a movie there'd be more than just the movie playing you would get like a newsreel that's how people would get news before television was really in houses i mean we talked about this in a previous episode tvs weren't really even in houses until like the mid 50s like and even then it wasn't like super super common it existed the technology existed i think we talked about this in the betty white episode but like you know people it's like well you'd read the newspaper. That's how you get news, but you could go and you could watch a newsreel and you could see video of like, you know, the war effort and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, there would be a cartoon. A lot of those original, uh, Warner brothers cartoons and Disney cartoons, all the old Mickey mouse, the old Bar- Bugs Bunny and the old Porky pigs and all that stuff. And, and like that, that stuff, that's, that's, that's that old. A lot of those came yeah. out in the forties and, um, you would see them at the movie theater. You would go, you'd pay to see whatever the feature was. And then you would see like a cartoon and you'd see a newsreel, you'd see another cartoon. And sometimes they would play a serial. And like the Rocketeer, um, for those of you who know the Rocketeer, that is riffing on the old serials. Like the look of that character is riffing on the old serials. Uh, specifically, there's this guy, uh, Commando Cody, who is the, like, the, it's like the, it's like the uh, the flight of the Rocket Man or something. I'm getting the title slightly wrong. It's the something of the Rocket men. I can't remember, but that was like a, one that I think has become a little bit more known. And uh, Lucas actually paid tribute to Commando Cody by making Commander Cody a character as uh, in the the third prequel movie, um, episode three. The what is that revenge of the sith i guess mm-hmm. yeah. um and uh he was just one of the the the, the troopers he was just one of the stormtrooper one of the clone trooper guys um and and uh you know th- so he's he's been looking back towards serials for a long time for this and then also that's what indiana jones is indiana jones is a pastiche of the 1940s serials everything about that's why he's fighting nazis like mm. everything about like All of what George Lucas loves is like those those pulpy 40s cereals big time, like so like intrinsic to his like artistic language, his visual language, and everything he's into, kind of keeps coming back to that. And that is a very different place to start than where Roddenberry is starting. Roddenberry's like, I'm I'm looking to what I hope the future is. And Lucas is like, "Oh, I love those those cereals when I was a kid. I want to make one." I mean, th- those couldn't that those are two vastly different mission statements. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: I mean, yeah, you know, Star Wars to me is is the big, you know, the big player on, in the field, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone knows Star Wars. Everyone at this point hates Star Wars, it seems like, because it's it's Star Wars to fucking death forever. Uh, but I I think Star Wars is great. Uh, definitely been you know following it throughout all the different movies and uh yeah I mean you know it it can't not be part of the conversation whether you love it or hate it you know it yeah. is a humongous inspiration for a lot of sci-fi that exists and you know it's the grandfather and uh you know still very much a contemporary with the stuff they're doing on disney plus uh, I think a lot of that stuff has been really cool but um yeah you know star wars is an exciting universe and i think that the stories that the movies have told have been cool but the coolest part has always been wondering about the other little things going on in the background and the shadows and these characters that you see for a scene or two and just like reading between the lines and i think world building is something that you i feel like the wonder in 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 like you know intrigue of Star Wars is so strong and I don't I don't have that as much or at all really with Star Trek. Star Trek it's like here's the story they're going to tell you and they tell you that story. Yeah. And um and I think that Star Trek I mean Star Wars does that as well. It's just that you're also getting all these other little like snippets and viewpoints of other things that are then able to be expanded upon or not by other mediums and also it just benefits from being having been around so long and having had so many people take a crack at it because you have comics, you have uh, novelizations, you have animes, you have uh, animated cartoons, you have the movies, you know, it's like there's so many different takes and stabs at the Star Wars mythos that you do get a lot of those extra side stories. And I mean, I, I'm sure there's tons of that stuff for Star Trek too, you know. I'm, I'm talking out my ass a little bit. because
2: Yeah, I- there were Star Trek novels, but like who talks about him who remembers him who cares like i'm yeah, sure know, they have right? a few people know. but the world of star wars literature is a juggernaut it's pretty
3: nuts yes. yeah, yeah it's it's really insane and honestly like i feel like um this is kind of like just tangential but related to a previous episode we did i don't think there was any lego sets i wanted more than star wars lego sets like mm. of of licensed legos like the option to get these star wars ships was like the coolest the coolest thing Mm -hmm. and you know it's because there is this just awesomeness to the design of the millennium falcon and the x-wing and the tie fighter and and like just the the engineering of star wars is super fantastic it's super Mm -hmm. interesting and you know there's just like whole groups of people that are just like massive fans of just like Mm. the ships and the tech and not even, they don't give a crap about the story. You know, it's just like how much of it opens up your mind to all these other things. And Star Trek definitely satisfies that as well. But, you know, I think that is the strongest aspect of these two is that the, the, the worlds feel so thought out and there's so many different angles to them. Mm -hmm. Um, that it, it just it doesn't feel like you're talking about a movie it doesn't feel like you're talking about someone's movie it feels like you're just like expertly knowledgeable about this other fucking realm that doesn't exist but there's so much detail to it that mm-hmm. like you can have scholars of Star Wars right. shit and scholars of Star Trek right. and so that to me yeah. is like just super interesting and right. and it makes you wonder like how many of the Star Wars knockoffs how far they could have gone if their first movie was done well enough but there were so many imitators and uh and so many you know kind of crappy attempts at trying to cash in oh on yeah that. Star Wars hit
2: uh, the theaters and was such a success that People were rushing movies into production Like that week I mean famously yeah. uh, Star Crash which is um, yep. An yes. Italian Star Wars ripoff Starring Caroline Monroe And Marjo Gortner um, It's like that guy Was given like a week to write that Screenplay like his boss was yeah. like Hey uh, Do the it Star- now. Do it now. He's like hey the Star Wars a movie uh, It hit the big in America Like uh <laughs> And he's like, uh, literally, write this. Yeah, I, I, can you do it in a week? He he had he, <laughs> rip off this movie in a week. Can you do it? Can you write our own right. version? Like it, this right. is the kind of thing that happened. And-
3: and I and I, I think that, you know, obviously, whenever you have an imitation that is purely imitation, it is not, you know, paying homage. It's not a loving tribute. It's just like, I want to yeah, copy we that. Cash. I, yeah, I just want to print money. I just want to print money right now. It's like those are almost always going to suck ass. And then yeah. you have, you know, different sci-fi takes, you know, like Dune or something that mm-hmm. like has its own has whole, a, you know, slew of fans. And, 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 and Dune uh, came
2: first. And Lucas is a big Dune fan.
3: So, the, so that, like, you know, is, is just like it was successful as a book and then probably became a movie after Star Wars because they're like, hey, there's right. now for, yeah. for this type of movie. Right. Which is exactly. Interesting. That's exactly. Like Star right. Wars almost gave them the courage to be like, let's try hey, to do this as a movie. 100%. Yep. Which is which is really cool um, mm-hmm. and, and a different kind of way to look at it. And then there's also just like other, you know, things that were inspired like Stargate and Babylon 5, like you mentioned, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about later. Um, mm-hmm. that were, were yeah you know, obviously everything's inspired in yeah. some way by star wars and star trek
0: yeah
3: um but yeah i I super you know super reverent of the series and I, I i very much consider myself a star wars fan i have liked pretty much every star wars movie um i mean the prequel trilogies are definitely the the, the weakest point for a lot of reasons um but I like the new trilogy. I think the new trilogy is great. I mean I granted haven't gotten to see them all a lot of times each, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm I thoroughly enjoyed those <laughs> and the way I see it is You know, we got more Star Wars movies. We got three more, and I was happy watching them. Uh, You know, I felt like a a little kid, you know, again, the excitement that I once had seeing the prequel trilogy when I was a kid. You know, it's like I wasn't critical of film when I watched Mm -hmm. the prequel trilogy. I liked them, I liked them all when they came out. Um, But when the new when the new trilogy came out, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now. And these are movies I can just watch like objectively. And I still love them. I love mm-hmm. like the, the wonder of, of everything going on and, mm-hmm. you know, was, was totally happy for it. And, and all the sorts of different kind of stories that we're getting from, from Disney plus and, and getting to go back and watch clone wars and rebels and stuff like that. It's like, it's just great, you know, and mm-hmm. there's so much here that, to say to say outright that you don't like Star Wars or you don't like Star Trek feels oh, similar to like parents back in the day saying that like all metal is is horrible. You know, all metal is screaming. It's all it's noise. Like, yeah. It's like uh, you know, you kind of you're kind of being a bit reductive here. Like there, there's a lot of different flavors within this umbrella um and so whether or not you're you're interested to try and give it a fair shot is up to you uh and if people aren't then that's fine but you know you can't you can't definitely definitively say there's nothing good about certain things like there's so many different aspects i mean uh, star wars visions i thought was really cool and they're coming out with the second season of that the anime like you know animatrix style uh Anthology that was on Disney Plus. I thought we didn't
2: name drop the animatrix. Wow. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, it'll always be the animate. Like, anytime anyone does, like, an animated anthology, it's it's, animatrix. They're doing the animatrix. Animatrix. Uh, It'll just, it'll always be a point of reference. Especially
2: if Yoshiaki Kawajiri does a segment.
3: Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he he probably won't. Yeah. I mean, I think he had one of the Batman one, didn't he? He did, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, other than that. But, um, yeah, Star Wars Visions was great. Really, really good. I think that there were some episodes in there that were, you know, weaker, uh, but the strong ones were, were fantastic. And so each mm. each episode is just its own little story, self-contained, Star Wars, you know, related whatever, um, but they're not pulling from characters that you know. They're just like their own thing. And uh, Star Wars Visions season two is coming out soon, and I really want to check that out. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I'm game. I'm always game for, for new Star Wars shit. Mm. Like, whatever yeah, that's I, cool. I have, I have fun with it.
1: Yeah. I feel the same way about Star Trek. Cause now they're coming out with like so many different types of shows. Now You have you so have, many now you yeah. have discovery, you have strange new worlds, which is amazing. I do really um, want to see that specifically. The, the, uh, strange new worlds is definitely like more like the heard of older, it. Well, like the, the older style of Star Trek. It's like everything's yeah. episodic and everything. I love, cool. Hey, really I cool.
2: love, cool. I love the idea. I love that it's Captain Pike and yes. Spock, and in the old days. And I, I love Anson Mount. I'm a big Hell on Wheels fan, and uh, Cullen Bohannon's one of the greatest TV characters of all freaking time. I will die on that hill, and uh, Anson Mount is awesome. Uh, so I am psyched that he got to be uh, Captain Pike in that show. Yeah. So I really do want to see. He's that. a perfect
1: fit, too. Yeah, really perfect. but
2: but for for I mean, I won't go on too long about Star Wars. It it's just you know. It's one of my favorite things. It's always been one of my favorite things. It, it's a warm hug. It's a it's a security blanket. It's a you know it's it's a grilled cheese with bacon sandwich. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like I just everything about it every the, the visual language, the 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 sound design, the music, the musical cues that make it the, the original trilogy and its musical cues especially are, are just they're just everything that is movie magic is in those yep. star wars those first 3 movies mm-hmm. and i i just you know i mean i whenever somebody says like well what's your favorite movie what are your favorite movies it's like well I mean, I never list Star Wars because it's like unfair. There's, it's like three spots are going to be taken up. Like, so I just usually omit le- them. But I mean, there's, there's like nothing I love more, you know, than those, those three movies. It's, it's everything I personally love. Uh, you know, it has, you know, s- there are so many like, interesting scenes even if we just stick to that original trilogy there are so many interesting scenes that always stuck with me and you know resonated with me as a kid and had me thinking about them forever like the the concept of just something as simple as the trash compactor so it's it's easy to to be reductive like joe you said oh it's all action it's like well what act what's action is it punching is it lightsabers because like there are so many different unique scenes that don't ever repeat like the trash compactor scene and A New Hope is like, yeah, it's one of these scenes for me. Like, that is unbelievable. They're trying to escape, they end up in this room. Uh oh. And then the, the walls start to come in. You know how freaking scared I was of being crushed as a kid after that? It's the most, unration- most irrational fear. It's like when is it's like being afraid of quicksand. When is this ever going to come up? But movies showed it to you and you're like, "Oh, I guess I'm also afraid of like being chased by a bull and like stupid right. crap that's never going to come up." But like I saw it happen in a movie one time and and there's the Wilhelm scream guy in that 1951 movie. Uh, and like there's now I'm afraid of alligators in the in the river. I don't know. And jaws, you're <laughs> afraid of jaws in your swimming pool. Like it just happens. Like, yeah. you know, and like I was so afraid of being crushed. That the thought of that like was just beyond and like every time i would see that that scene you know it's like when it comes down to oh my god he's he gets up the the final pull, and he's trying to just do anything to save them and he's just three po three po and where can i be and like, he's just, he's just doing the, the only thing he can do. He gets this stupid pole. That's like, not even going to do anything. anything. It might as well be made of fucking rubber bands. And <laughs> like, it's just nothing. It's made of nerf. Like, what is this? And it's just, it's there's nerf nothing else. And he can, nothing. Yeah. And it's nothing. There's nothing he can do. And it's just like, oh my God, he has 10 seconds to live. They're all going to be like crushed. And that, that sequence, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievably amazing and And that, um th- they add the creature with the eye stock that you never even get to see. So it's like, man, there is this there's this unknown, and that is another thing that I always love when something, Shows you a little and it leaves you wanting more. It's like there's an eye stalk and there's a tentacle and there's something swimming, and it was smart enough to know to get the fuck out because it sensed the vibrations or something of the room starting up. Um, the Dianoga. But anyway, like you know, the Tauntaun scene. I mean, come on, when when Han cuts open the Tauntaun. I mean, who doesn't who who didn't have that seared into their brain after seeing that? Can you name any other scene in a movie that's ever done that? No, because it would be it would be ripping off the Tauntaun scene like you can't do that everybody would everybody would know it instantly because that is such an incredible such a unique type of a scene you know there are just right. so many like that that are throughout the movies and when i was a little kid i i loved them but i didn't always remember which scenes were in which movie and sometimes i would be like oh i want to see the one with you know the trash compactor and I'd be like is that is that the second one is that the third one like I was little and I I just didn't have it all straight yet and stuff and be like oh what one and to me in my brain they were just all a jumble it was just all these these amazing scenes and stuff like that and it's just one story so I can't really remember oh and like Han getting trapped in carbonite oh my god i mean the the freaking look of that room is so incredible the the light is like this amber orange and like dark blue and and like and then he gets it's it's so it's so freaking somber and and like You know, everybody knows what's going to happen, but you, the viewer, are not quite sure as a kid. I certainly didn't know what was happening. And like, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, the carbonite. It's like, you, you don't know what's happening. And then he goes down and he comes up and he's a slab. And like, and like the, the, the freaking expression on Han's face when he's in the carbonite is just like, it's heartbreaking. And it's something that we've seen so many times that we're just numb to it. And it's not a big deal. It's like, yeah, might as well be a thumb. Well, guess what? It's, it's amazing is what it is. And, like, that when it first happened and you first saw that, it's like, are you kidding me? Nothing. There were so many scenes in those movies. No other movie, like, has ever done. Like, it's so many things. Not everything. I mean, you know, there are themes that are very repetitive, very obviously taken from other things. There are, you know narrative type ideas the storytelling ideas the way he tells the story sure the stories aren't necessarily the most unique the most you know original whatever no they're they're definitely you know he he wears his influences on his sleeve but there are so many original original parts in those movies that just make it so freaking memorable I mean for those who hate the Ewoks like Okay, you can hate the Ewoks. I love the Ewoks. I love the Ewoks versus the ATSTs. That stuff is so freaking my childhood. That is just amazing. I love to see the two logs come together and crush the head of that one ATSD. Like, I, I, right? There's so many things. There are just so many things. Like, I my love for for this series is just it's bigger than i can put into words it knows
1: no bounds <laughs> it 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 just
2: literally is bigger than i can put into words like uh, yeah. uh you know so i'll leave it there uh we're actually going to do a star wars episode and um it's it's i think it might be my next episode i believe it's my next episode that we host um yeah. that that i host is going to be a star wars centric episode so we're going to we're going to you know get to talk a little bit more about Star Wars and then, and we, we have a fun guest lined up, Um, but a little, little bit, little bit, we don't have to be exhaustive, but there's a little bit of an extra theme as well. So we'll, we'll we'll get there, but, um, but anyway, so that's, that's my, my take on that. And I will, I will just end with the, one of the main differences between Star Wars and Star Trek is, you know, keep talking about the visual language, like, okay, Star Wars looks cool. Star Trek doesn't. That's that's what I think. Everything, like, Star Wars doesn't care about looking cool. It's not about, like, all the... They're just in uniforms. They're just in, you Star know, Trek gray columns. They're, they're just, you know, uh, co- uh, uh, hallways. Like, everything's whatever. Like, uh, I mean, I guess the Enterprise looks kind of cool. Like, I guess. It's not, like, it's unique. It's definitely unique. But it's not, like, cool, cool. And even then, like, there's only, like, what, three or four ships that you would ever consider, like owning as a toy or something from Star Trek. You know, you might have, like, a Klingon bird of prey and a Romulan warbird and, you know, maybe the Defiant or something. Like, there aren't too many things you would get. I mean, Deep Space Nine is cool-looking. But, like, there are not too many things you would, like, really need a toy of. There's no, like, creatures. There's no, you know, all the aliens just, like, like people with, like, one facial feature, slightly bumpy. Like, you know, oh, I got a weird nose. I got a weird ear. I got a weird... Forehead. I got you know, it's it's always like that. You know, it's it's not a big deal. They're not concerned with making things look cool. Star Star Wars seems to be like, No, we're selling toys. Like that's the whole it's that is the whole yeah. freaking thing. They're like, No, especially by the time the freaking prequels came out. By that time, Lucas like had been all through it and he remembered, and he's like, No, 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 we're gonna put a billion characters in these three movies that are just there to sell a toy.
3: And that's it. Yes,
1: yeah. I mean, I just want to throw, throw in my two cents, which will be really quick, about Star Wars. Um, like, as a kid, like, I was just, like, all set with Star Wars. Like, I just could not give two shits about it. I just thought the movies at the time just were not that entertaining to me. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. It's just really weird. But, you know, as I got older, um, I appreciate it more, and I don't hate it. <laughs> as nearly as much as I did when I was younger, but um, no, I can like watch a Star Wars movie and be like, yeah, it was fine. It's fun. No, I get it. I get it now. And whatever, like, like even with the the latest trilogy, it's like I know people like, especially like, the the older fans are like up in arms about it. like, oh, Ray, fuck that. The f- she's she fucking sucks. Whatever. It's like she's fine. Like they're like still trying to like develop her as a character in the first movie. Right. Like. Right. Like, like, who is Ray? Right. No one knows who Ray is. Like, let her build. Like, let her grow. Like, right, why don't do just you be so on, immediately, on like, you know. Luke Skywalker, who I still fucking despise. He's, like, one of the worst fucking characters in the whole fucking franchise. Oh, my God. Like, I just want to, like, punch Luke Skywalker the right in the fucking throat. So annoying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people love Darth Vader. I just think he looks like a fucking penis... A giant penis with arms and legs. I mean, whatever. Um, I don't think he looks that cool. But um, whatever, you know, to each their own. Um, but I, I, love Chewbacca. I don't know why I love Chewbacca. I, I just think he's unintentionally funny, just to, like the way how he talks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just, I don't know. I just love it. I, I, I just love him. And I'm so he's a glad. good boy. He's, a, he's a, he's a damn good boy. Um, Han Solo who doesn't love Han Solo? I mean, right. He's so cocky and I don't know. He's just, I, I, I think he's really cool. I think he's really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, I think that the movies are final going back, watching the originals. Like, you no, know, I, I appreciate it more. Um, uh, I think the empire strikes back. I think that's episode five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's definitely my favorite out of the original trilogy. Um, Mm-hmm. The first trilogy, eh, whatever you know, like Steve said, it was more like a Star Trek type of thing. I Maybe
0: mean the prequel was like
1: a different direction or whatever, and it just wasn't very Star Warsy at all. And and I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it is what it is. Whatever. Like
2: but politics, politics. Yeah, it's like eh, whatever. I mean, I've Star Trek before.
1: knows how to do politics. I yeah, can do it too. Yeah. Um, and the latest trilogy, you no, know, whatever. Like I said, it's fine. Like whatever. It's like just. Get your fucking head out of your ass. Yeah, some people like it's, what it's, it is.
2: It's just too precious of a thing, and they can't see they're blinded by their love for the original. And they right. just it's, it's like yeah. it's like
1: the uh, the the older generation, they they they're like, Oh, how can kids like these things back when when I was your age, this is what we ran into, this is the real deal or whatever. <laughs> it's <was> like, <laughs> like music, yeah. Music's like music. Music. always that, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. like whatever. Who gives a yeah. fuck? Yeah. Anyways, like like what you like. Right. Yeah, it is what it is.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so,
1: so that was our first half of the episode. And uh, we got a little Octoponder for you guys. Uh, yeah. So as I posted earlier today for the Octoponder, the question is, what is your favorite sci-fi character? Can be a hero, villain, and bonus points if you can name a favorite ship. So while you guys think about that, uh, we will play some ads for you and i uh, will come back and read everyone's uh comments because there's quite quite a bit of you guys that posted on there and uh and of course we'll give our answers as well so once you guys stick around <laughs> Hi,
2: I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks.
3: And I'm Ashes von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and Mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the hosts, hosts of the Throwdown, Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast, part of the Somebody's and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as so we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures.
1: Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine.
3: We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week.
1: Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts,
0: Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts.
1: And we we will will see you you next next Thursday.
2: Thursday. (laughs) this is larry blamire the director of lost skeleton of Cadavera,
3: and you are listening to retro reductopus oh yeah hey are you ready to do some bacon it's about that time where we
0: ask you the audience to octo ponder this
1: welcome back everyone Before we took a break we asked you this question. What is your favorite sci-fi character? It can be a hero or a villain. Bonus points if you can name a starship. Hmm. Hmm. So we'll start yeah. with eight-bit alchemy.
3: A uh, favorite sci-fi character? I mean, I I honestly have no idea. There's there's a billion. It's definitely a billion. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if I'm if I'm gonna go, I'll just you know stick to Star Wars here. Um, I'll I'll say that I get some of the most joy from R2-D2 and C-3PO. Like, I really like the foil that they provide to a lot of it, but uh, <clears throat> I'm actually going to give it to R2-D2 because I have such a respect for characters that can convey a ton of emotion in con- with context and not necessarily say anything. Um, I think that's super impressive, and like R2-D2 is able to be a, like, lovable, compelling character that can react in, like, different scenarios with just noises. And you're yeah. like, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're, like, going through. And, like, other characters speaking through him. Um, so, I mean, like, I want to I'm give credit to that in terms of just, like, having a lot of respect for that and and just really enjoying that. Um, and that's an element that's, like, kind of a through line for a lot of the droids throughout the different um, Star Star Wars things. Um, but uh, as far as my favorite ship goes, I mean, there's so many cool ones. Uh, I mean, if you
0: can't
1: pick one, then it's, fine. it's just like, yeah. You just won't get the bonus points. You just won't get bonus points. Yeah,
3: yeah. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to win. You know? um, <laughs> if, that, if that's what it's going to be down to. um Honestly, I'm going to be fucking basic as shit. It's like the X Wing is cool as fuck like the X-Wing is uh, all over your face everywhere and you just are like oh it's the Mario of of star of like spaceships right it's like X-Wing is so cool though (laughs) so Mm -hmm. fucking cool and it can fly not extended and then when it goes with the X's out to go into like you know the firing mode instead of flying it's like ship is just goddamn cool it is like if the X-Wing looked stupider there would be a lot of less like momentum for loving these like space battles Mm -hmm. and stuff yeah yeah, I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna be a basic bitch, but I, I really like it,
2: love it, nice. yeah. Thanks, parasite Steve. Um, all right, so like it's it's impossible, so whatever. So I'll just I'll just do uh, I'll say Han Solo and uh, Ellen Ripley from Alien. Um, nice. favorite sure, stars, sci-fi characters of all time. Those are the real answers. Uh, but my fake answer that I also sort of mean is uh Ace Rimmer from Red Dwarf, which was an alternate version of one of the characters. <laughs> Rime. Uh Rimmer. Uh, so uh there was uh yeah uh, yeah so so rimmer was like the hologram dude who was like useless and terrible at everything and ace rimmer was the version of him from another dimension that was the opposite and he was the best at everything and he was so freaking cool and he was part errol flynn part james bond and part <laughs> indiana jones uh and uh, his catchphrase, I said at the beginning, at the top of the episode, smoke me a kippa, boys. I'll be back
0: for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: every time he would every time he would exit a scene, because oh. anytime he's in a scene, every other character loves him like Dave Lister who's the main character who just like cannot stand Rimmer and you know he's always on his ass about everything and just does not let up for one second he's so enamored with how awesome Ace is at all times and he's just like oh, can you just stay and he's like no I, I don't think I can that other version of me is too insufferable I'll, I'll go insane sorry <laughs> and, uh, and every time like Ace would leave any scene there would be a character there that would go huh, what a guy <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's just good comedy right there.
2: Uh, for a ship, I have to go with this. Is a recent one, but man, am I enamored with this to the point where it might just be my favorite Star Wars ship ever. Um, I'm gonna go with Bo-Katan Kryze's Gauntlet Starfighter that she's currently using on the freaking Mandalorian. Oh yeah, my that, that fucking god,
3: that ship is rad as hell.
2: I love this ship and it's. It's freaking silhouette. Like if you look at it from above, it is a, it is a pure, like, like galaxy invaders, like ship, like that would be in an eighties arcade game. Like, uh, what, what I'm saying the wrong thing, not galaxy invaders, so, space invaders, like space invaders. Like it's just like the perfect shape to be in like one of those games or something like that. But it, it, the wings actually pivot when it lands. And I, I just, Oh my God, I, I freaking love it. So it's also, um, it also it has some other names, but Gauntlet Starfighter is the like the fun name. Uh, the class of ship actually debuted in episode twelve of season two of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, um, the episode called "The Mandalore Plot," and that's actually what it's from. But currently, Bo-Katan uh, is using it on the Mandalorian. It's
3: Bo-Katan. Amazing. Yeah, that ship is so cool. Oh my gosh, nice. love it.
1: Nice. So my pick will have to be Samantha Carter from Stargate SG1. Oh wow. That's, that's one of my my favorites. Um I do have a lot. Um uh, obviously Data which I mentioned earlier is Yeah. Like my my probably my favorite Star Trek character next to Worf.
3: No, um, you liked Data, I think.
1: Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Who, do, who doesn't? Data <laughs> Data. D- D- yes, I love D- Data. And uh for Damn. The the spaceship. I would have to say the EAS Valkyrie from uh, Babylon Five. Okay, Um, it is (laughs) it's pretty pretty freaking cool. Um, You guys have to watch the show to see it. It's it's really freaking. It's a fun series. I I really enjoyed it. Um, Nice. Yeah. So those were our picks, and now I will attempt to read everyone's replies to. Um, so, the first post is Brian, from Brian L- uh, L- L- Lisk. He says, I feel this needs to be said. Captain Liam, Liam Shaw, who is the captain from uh, Picard Season 3, um, he is the captain of the USS Titan, uh, and he's like the best Starfleet captain in, of any Star Trek series in the last 25 years. He's arrogant, unpolished, gruff, territorial, spiteful, and cocky. He's also endlessly protective of his ship and crew, doesn't bow down to any pressure, is pragmatic, dedicated, and humorous. But most of all, he's freaking interesting. Yeah. I like him in, in uh, uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3 Episode 1, I love him by Season 3 Episode 4. Todd uh, Stashwick plays this character. I, this is my first time ever seeing this guy. I've never seen him in anything else before. Um, he's, he's definitely a really cool character in the show.
0: Hmm. Um, says he plays his
1: character masterfully and just chews up every single scene he's in
0: hmm.
1: so paramount you must give us a spin-off series with Captain Shaw and crew of the Titan and I agree oh weird so it's so the Star Trek Titan ship
2: isn't it because uh, wasn't Riker the captain of that I believe so yeah I,
1: believe- I mean he's captain on this show but I don't I don't think he was ever captain of the Titan. I believe I believe he maybe was he was. Yeah, I, I
2: think that they said that in the like the later movies. Oh, and, like, okay. I believe like Star Trek was an insurrection or nemesis or something. I, I believe maybe it was Nemesis and he came back and said that. I, I that because I always thought I'm like, why don't they do Star Trek Titan and have it be the Riker show? That would be amazing. That would be amazing, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway,
1: well, That's cool. That's a Titan cool. show would be fucking cool. Yeah, cool. Um, Colleen says wash serenity. Awesome, Um, P.J. Rahal of course has a freaking novel of every single (laughs) sci-fi thing. Uh, So he says favorite starship is the spaceship of the imagination. Uh, Second place goes to Spaceman Spiff's Red Ship. Um, Calvin and and Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes are up there. Fry, Leela Bender from Futurama Futurama, um, honorable mention to Plant Express Ship. David and Max from Fly of, of the Navigator honorable <laughs> mention to Max as the ship as well. Octus ah! Prime, Prime Grimlock. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Randy Carter who says Doctor Who Tardis. Nice Tardis. Cool. Yes. Uh, Jason Lewis says no particular character, but you can't fuck with the Event Horizon. That is true. Fact,
0: that ship. Yeah, can't.
1: That ship has seen some shit. It sure
0: has. <laughs>
1: Josh Neela says, "Boy, that's tough." Rico from Starship Troopers comes to mind. Mallory from Sliders. Eagle Five from Spaceballs. I think <laughs> that, Sliders.
3: <laughs> Sliders. Fuck,
1: yeah. Ma- Ma- Mallory from Sliders. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eagle Five from Spaceballs. I think that's what this ship was called. Yep. Wicket's Wicket's the Ewok is probably my favorite Star Wars character. Uh, don't forget to mention John Spartan and Simon Phoenix. Literally could sit here for an hour and just keep naming things. <laughs> they're I'm from, glad you uh, did. They're from <laughs> Demolition, man. Demo- okay. Cool. <clears throat> um Dan Powell says Boba Fett. Yes. Ralph nice. A. Ralph A. Ten- Tunisia, the third. Uh, says Ford from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Jordan Lynn. Epperson says, this is a hard one. Probably Jack O'Neill or Teal Stark ASG1. Thank you! Um, <laughs> though I do love Duke from ha- Haven as well. Um, but really, there are so many great sci-fi characters to be named. Favorite ship is probably either the Serenity or NSEA Protector from Galaxy Quest. Oh, nice! That's cool. <laughs> cool. <Very> cool. <laughs> nice. I love Galaxy Quest. Such yeah, a good that's sci-fi cool. movie. Uh, that's, that's another movie that I didn't like at the time. Oh my so god. I, I definitely want to go back now. Adore. It like, a treasure. I, like, I really want to watch it again. Oh my god. Yeah. I love it. yeah. Uh, Jeremy Jackson says, at the time of thinking, maybe Servo out uh, AU Br- Br- Braca is my favorite sci-fi guy. I don't know who that is. Um, Servo Obarca. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Um, just just a down to ride. Down to right always got your back crazy ass little warrior freak
0: um, oh, it's, from <laughs> the, it's
1: from the
2: novels sons of Aries. uh that's that's what it is sons of okay. Ares it's a novel okay. and uh series I guess so I mean, it's, wait it's, wait, it's,
3: wait a, there's a red rising trilogy <laughs> is is just the name of it
1: definitely a deep cut for for sure, so thanks yeah, for that definitely. Um, Justin Cooper says, favorite ship, the Event Horizon. Love Event Horizon fans out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, honorable mention, uh, Moya and her baby, Talon from Farscape. Nice. nice. Bill Conti says, I love sci fi, and there are so many great characters to choose from, but. I think I always was drawn to the roguish spaceship captain, like Han Solo, Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly, Chris Pine's version of Kirk, uh, Jason from Ice Pirates. But my personal yeah. favorite was from was Jim Holden from The Expanse. Nice, some Expanse love finally. There are good things yeah. about that, yeah. Oh, you
2: know, uh, I think you would love The Expanse, Joe. I'll have to. Have to watch yeah, you it. you should
1: definitely watch. It's it. a I show. Think, on I think it's Amazon. Prime. Prime, yeah. Prime! Prime! Yeah. <laughs> Rihanna Madison says, Press from Raid, uh, <laughs> Raid. <laughs> Blade Runner because she's my favorite example of a wolf in sheep's clothing. I love her daily progr- uh, progression in such a short amount of time. Plus, her whole aesthetic is iconic. The Eagle 5 mm-hmm. from Spaceballs because just look at it. Thanks, Rihanna. Awesome. William Thomas Boyles says, Villain Villain ship is definitely the Shadow Vessel from Babylon 5. Yes! Holy fucking shit. I agree. Holy crap. Uh, favorite hero ship, the Battlestar Galactica. Okay, cool. Favorite, favorite fighter, uh, Gunstar 1. Favorite sci-fi character. I've got way too many. Flash Gordon, Mad Max. Kosh Naranek from Babylon 5. Oh, okay. Kosh. Okay, cool. Uh, Scott Clevenger says, finally an easy one. Uh, James Retief? Uh, the Two-Fisted b- uh, Bureaucrat from Keith Loomer's Old Novels and Short Stories from the 1960s. Jaundiced but hilarious a- allegories of U.S. diplomatic efforts in Southeast Asia during the Vietnam era. Uh, however, I don't believe he's he's been adapted to the screen, so I'm going to go even older school and say Buck Rogers. Oh, nice. nice. The 1939 Buster crab version, I hasten to add. In the original comic strip in Serial, Buck is a regular guy, often out of his depth, having been flung far into the future, and that nicely grounds all the gorgeous art deco goofiness that surrounds him. Favorite starship, the C 57D from Forbidden Planets. Nice, nice. Uh, Not only is it the platonic ideal of a flying saucer, but I love the Pop a Matic, pop a Matic bubble, bubble oh, that drives, that the, whole drives the whole thing. So Pop-a- true, so weird. Nice. Um, Matt McClarvan says, "I have to name two characters since they are such integral integral double act: the Constructors, Troll, and Capricious." Okay. Um, James McKillen says, "Favorite sci-fi character: Darth Vader. Favorite starship: the Lex."
2: Oh my God! What a what a deep cut. That's a, I don't even know what the Lex. Lex
1: is. i have to look that up. Either. It's from the show, Lex. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and finally, Carrie Sanders says, I'm going to go with John DeLange's Q. Yes! Fuck yes! He always brought something exciting to the table. I had a Star Trek ID card where I was where I was listed as an ambassador for the queue and I was allowed to use it once when I required to show multiple forms of ID. And the person who needed them was a fellow nerd. Oh my God. It's amazing. Love it. Absolutely right. love it. Thank you guys so much for those. Yeah. Thanks amazing guys. Amazing responses. Yes. So now we're going to go, uh, we're going to keep on trucking to the second half of the episode. So we're going to talk about, some movies and then the, uh, the, some TV shows that we've yeah. all watched. And I will start with, uh, Parasite Steven with the movie segments. Okay. So, um, uh, since
2: we're already at uh, an hour and a half, I'm going to go quick with mine. Um, so for the movie, I did a little bit of a deep dive, uh, recalling something that I once really loved quite a bit. Uh, so my pick is uh, Total Recall, released in yes. 1991, directed by Paul Verhoeven who also did RoboCop and various things. Co-written by two of the writers of Alien and Aliens, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett, which I never knew until today. Practical effects by legend Rob Bottin, who also did The Howling, Legend, RoboCop 1, 2, and 3, and The Thing. Hell He's yeah. the man. He is the practical freaking man. Total Recall also has the distinction of being one of the last major special effects movies to use almost completely all practical effects, including miniatures. That is just that stopped being a thing very quickly. This was 91. They made it 90. They're just you just don't bother making miniatures anymore. Uh, There's one scene in that movie that uses CG. It is the scene, uh, definitely one of the ones that people remember, which is when they're going into this one part of the city uh, and there's like this x-ray hallway that you have to walk down and they can tell if you're carrying a a gun. And everybody turns into skeletons as they're walking past. And uh, it really still actually kind of holds up. Like, it's really cool. But I guess it was kind of, they had to hand... They had this like technology that was supposed to track the person and make the skeleton do exactly what they did. But they couldn't get it to work right. So yeah. the animators had to do everything by hand. They had to like completely <laughs> animate it by hand. It's really funny. But uh, anyway, movie stars, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, the peak of his career by far as Douglas Quaid. And there, <laughs> there is a lot of Arnold's sound effects and just a lot of voice just in this Arnie-ism. movie there's a lot of that in this freaking movie uh, also stars Rachel Tick- Ticketon as Melina 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 Ah. <laughs> Sharon Stone as Lori, Michael Ironside as Richter, and Dean Norris as Tony. Dean Norris, 8 bit. You know Dean Norris because he's Hank. He's
3: he's
2: he's Hank on He's Hank on Breaking Bad, and he played. Oh, a, oh yeah. wow, yeah, and Damn. he's uh, he's a uh, like this cool mutant guy in this. I mean, he's cool. He's he's ugly on purpose, but there's a bunch Hank of mutants Schrader. in this. Uh, yes, Hank Schrader. Uh, so there's <laughs> my Hank Schrader.
3: <laughs> um, what well, well, you gotta come in. You gotta come in. Look, you, you gotta look at this <laughs>
2: Uh So hey, uh, hey yo, well. So, anyway, so this basically uh, is a movie that, uh, you know, it came out when I was 12 years old. Uh, every single boy who was around the same age as me when this came out uh, talked about this movie forever, like in, in whispers and hush, whisper, hushed whispers, because of one scene, of course, which we all know, because this is the movie with the lady that has three boobs. Yes. That's really all this movie was to every 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old boy. When it came yep. out, it was reduced to the movie with the lady who has three boobs. So anyway, <laughs> it also has the lady who has three boobs. And the actress... Did not enjoy playing that character. Uh all three are fake, in case you guys were wondering. Uh they just strapped her down. The whole it's just a chess piece, the whole thing's a prosthetic. Um, and and it was just obviously weird and embarrassing, and she just kind of hated it. But anyway, she didn't go on to do a lot of stuff actually. But so, so three boob anecdote has been delivered. Um basic plot of the movie, uh, like you know. I, I, I want to be quick, so I don't want to say too much, but essentially you got a guy who like, you know, there the world. So I want to talk about the story too, because there's like, it's, it's. I think it's interesting, but the basic thing that links the movie to the story is this concept of you're a, a guy who's got a boring life and a boring job. And there's, it's in the distant future. And there's this company called recall. And what they can do is they can more cheaply than Going on an actual vacation, you can go to recall and they will plant memories in your brain that makes it feel like you did go. So you can be like, Oh, I want to go to you know the Bahamas and have an adventure and and like you know, ride a dinosaur. And they're like, Yeah, cool. Well, we'll do that. And you pay them the money, and then they put you in the machine and they implant your your memories, right? So, yep, anyway, uh the the story is not very long and while they start out pretty much the same, it's amazing how much stuff was added for the movie. Um the story never gets off of earth. He never actually goes, he never gets his ass to Mars. <laughs> but in the in the movie, he does, and there's this whole huge plot, and you know he uncovers all this stuff on Mars. You get to see what's there. They they come up with the idea of there there are mutants that are there from the original settlers. That you know there were these radiation shields they made too cheaply, and the radiation came through, and they turned these people gross and and all this stuff. And uh, you know then there's this bonkers ending. People probably rem- remember because of the the very very. Pop culture known line of Quaid, start the reactor. That's I'm saying it like Arnold. It's Quaid, start the reactor. (laughs) A lot of lot of lot of hard C type names in this. There's Quaid, Quato, Cohagen. I don't know. It's weird. A lot of so. Um and anyway, so there's this. this Basically, the movie, right? That's the movie. the 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 ending of the story is so different. It's insane. So basically, what happens is, uh, it's the same up to a point. So he goes he goes to recall they try to implant the the vacation that he wants which is to go to Mars but um then they're like oh oh my god wait wait hold up there's like stuff has already been done to this dude's brain like there's already memories on top of other memories this looks government this looks scary we we can't do any we're hands off like take him off the table send him home we can't do it say it didn't work and then when, after that happens like all of a sudden he starts to get attacked by all random people with guns and he's not sure why. So in the movie, he just fights his way to the end in the story he just kind of gets captured and they're like so we got to kill you now and he's like what do you mean why I'm a boring guy and they're like no no you're not though because you were a secret agent and you went to Mars and you killed a bunch of people for us because you're an assassin and did all this stuff he's like well I don't remember that but you're telling it to me so I guess and so I don't really know why I never understood why they wanted to keep him alive I'm like just kill him in the first place in the movie there's a really good reason that's like revealed at the very end but in the in the in the story it's like well I'm not really quite sure why they didn't Like, it seems like a waste of resources to not just kill him. But anyway, they went through the process of wiping his mind and installing him with a, you know, boring life or whatever back on Earth. So, anyway, so they're explaining all this to him. And he's like, okay, well, just make me forget again. It's fine. I don't care. He's like a total lame ass. He's not at all like Schwarzenegger. He's like, just mind wiping. And they're like, well, the problem is that you're going to, this, the cycle will repeat itself you're going to get bored again and you're going to go to recall again or one of the competitors and you're going to do the same damn thing and we're going to be here again in a month so we don't want to do that so we're probably just going to kill you because it's cheaper it's like doing this right <laughs> and he's like he's like that sucks I, I don't want to die like come on can't you just try and and so one of the doctors like you know what there is this when we scanned you earlier we found that there's this there's this memory that you have that's like this childhood fantasy that you had that these aliens came down from outer space and they were very, very small. They were kind of like mice and they came down and they were going to invade Earth, but they're very small, but there was so many of them. They were going to invade Earth, but you were the first human that they encountered and they were so impressed by you and so impressed by your, 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 your goodness that, you know, they're like, you know what? We won't invade Earth as long as you're alive. He's, he becomes in this childhood fantasy. He becomes the, the like padlock on the Earth. So as long as he's still alive, they won't won't invade. No right. but but the the government people don't know any of that. So there's no good reason for them. It's not like that's why they kept him alive instead of killing him. So anyway, so they're like we can just make you think that that is actually true. And since it's such a core childhood memory, it's like, it's, it's such a part of you. It's been here for so long that like, we think it's going to stick and that will satisfy you that you'll, you'll have purpose. So you won't go to recall because you're going to be like, no, I'm doing a thing. I'm protecting the earth as stupid as that is. They're like, what a weird thing to think of. They're like the guys like, yeah, the psychiatrists are there. And they're like, I've never encountered anyone else who had this. This is such a bizarre fantasy to have. Like, what the hell like to think like the the ego of the person who who thinks that like they're so important that it's going to prevent the apocalypse just by them being alive because they're so worthwhile is so ridiculous but okay so anyway so then they're about to do it and then all of a sudden he gets all his memories back and you find out that it's actually true and he 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 has actually been the reason why the earth hasn't been invaded by mice because he freaking existed but they made him forget so he had his mind wiped once by the mouse aliens twice by the freaking government people so then when recall tried to do it they're like oh man this is a mess we can't do it we can't add another layer to this but they didn't realize that the right, thing they going on here. they think they originally thought was just simply um a childhood fantasy, actually that was actually true. And the guy's like, oh, when he, he is, he has proof and everything, he's like, oh yeah, they gave me this like invisible kill stick and I used it to kill all those guys that um, you sent me to kill on Mars. Yeah, I never told you, but it's in my drawer at home. You can just go find it. And the guys are like, um, what? And it just ends. It's just like, <laughs> what? Wow. So uh, yeah. like, oh my God. So, so awesome. Like side note, side note, if you've never if you like sci, if you like sci-fi at all, okay? And you've never read Philip K Dick, you have to go read Philip K Dick. The original story this is based on is called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. That's the name of it. Just like Blade Runner is Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Like his titles were very non-movie titles so they always changed them. But anyway, he also did The Minority Report which was called Minority Report, so they only dropped the the, so that's pretty close. Yeah. Right. But uh, just last last quick thing. Uh, They were originally going to do a sequel to the Total Recall movie with Arnold, and they were going to call it Total Recall 2, The Minority Report. And they were going to work in The Minority Report whole world, but make Douglas Quaid the star of it. And that was uh, in development hell for five years, and then they just dropped it, and it never happened. Oh so. wow. I wish it did. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Don't recall. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that movie, and I don't remember anything about the crazy. Mouse Honestly, it's, it's
2: Well, yeah, because it's not in there, but it's in it's in the it's in the story, but yeah, that is a fun movie. It's a fun movie That's with amazing sure, yeah. effects. Really fun. Oh yeah. Violent as freaking anything like oh my god for a a, like a shoot 'em up like type movie like when people are getting like blasted with the guns of the future or whatever like oh my god it is so violent and so bloody oh my god it is such a gory movie just for like people getting shot and even like fist fight stuff like he breaks people's heads and noses and and like blood is everywhere it's like holy shit it's just a fist fight like oh my god i know it's arnold but it's like Mortal combat
0: yeah, they had to. Tone- yeah. it,
1: everywhere.
2: it is. It's like Mortal <laughs> Kombat. They had to tone it down to get it to this point. They originally, when they submitted to the uh, the the ratings board, they got an X rating, and they're like, "Well, we can't, we can't do that. We have to actually make money off this son of a bitch." So, right,
1: right, right. nice. Keep it Alchemy. Hello. <laughs> uh,
3: so the the movie that I watched is. Uh, out of left field. I think that's my. That's kind of my.
1: That's a weird movie. I've never heard of it.
3: It is a weird movie. Uh, it's my theme for this season <laughs> is just picking shit that is just like not something I am familiar with. Uh, so, the movie is called The Black Hole. Uh, mm. It is from 1979. It is a movie directed by Gary Nelson and produced by Walt Disney. Yes. Uh, walt disney productions uh, for those of you who don't know uh the film stars maximilian shell robert forster joseph bottoms which is just a fucking great name mr bottoms uh yvette <laughs> Mimieux, anthony perkins and ernest Borgnine. while the voices of the main robot characters are provided by roddy mcdowell and slim pickens who are both uncredited um music was composed by John Barry. Uh, In the early 1970s, the film was originally conceived as a space-themed disaster film, which I feel like it sort of still is. Um, However, the script went through numerous changes over time and various different screenwriters. Uh, Basic premise is that the spacecraft USS Palomino has nearly completed its mission exploring deep space. The crew consists of Captain Dan Holland, First Officer Lieutenant Charlie Pizer, Journalist Harry Booth, ESP-sensitive scientist Dr. Kate McRae, uh, the expedition's civilian leader Dr. Alex Durant, and the diminutive robot Vincent, which stands for Vital Information Necessary Centralized. Yikes. Really getting fucking yikes with that, uh, you know. That's uh,
2: that's a, a yikers stretch right there.
3: Yeah, I, I can't even think of the fucking term for for what that is. I'm so yikes. Uh, as it acronym, thank you. Uh, as it is returning to Earth, the Palomino that is, uh, the Palomino discovers a black hole with the apparently abandoned and long lost USS Cygnus nearby. The same ship that the ESP sensitive scientist, Doctor Lieutenant. Uh, No, I'm sorry, I I fucked that up. Dr. Kate McRae, uh, her dad was aboard when it had just vanished on mission 20 years ago. Um, The ship is named the Cygnus because Cygnus X-1 is the first known black hole. Ever discovered in 1964, uh, which is you know kind of cool, a little bit of history there. Yeah. Uh, so the 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 way that they kind of reveal this is they're just sort of flying, and the there's this black hole nearby. They're very far away from it, but when they they're looking out, you know, the the ship, they do see just the silhouette. Of this of this ship there and um, the silhouette is very distinctive and they they actually run it against a, a whole computer system of all these different ships and they match it and they match the the size and shape and, and profile of it and they're like that's that's the USS Cygnus and um, the site is is really unsettling honestly did they because did
2: they get up and get down with the Cygnus
3: no they didn't um, oh. <laughs> but they 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 kind of just were like looking at it um, oh
2: that's 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 yeah. cool too
3: Yeah, no, I mean, they probably would though, like, like, if they did like a remake, you know, I feel like, I feel like they would, you
0: know, but not,
3: not, not, not in this one. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like the, the, you know, the, the image, the sight, the, the atmosphere, whatever you want to call it, it's really, really creepy because you have this massive black hole that is just sucking everything into it. And then way off, you can just see this ship sitting there perfectly still not being sucked in just floating there way too close for comfort for anyone to try and rescue it so it's like this very bizarre kind of scenario where you're like that ship for some reason is not getting sucked in and if for us to get close enough to investigate it we would be in danger of getting sucked into the black hole so like it's like they're like we can make one pass and using enough of the momentum, if it's like a derelict and there's no one there, we're just going to slingshot and and just get out of here, but we don't have time to like, you know, do, do a thorough check or anything. Um, so I, I really got to give the movie credit that, that shot is really good. Um, they end up getting up close to the uh, to the ship and they investigate and the sh- those ship's lights turn on and they go inside. And it turns out that the ship is still active and it is still actively researching the black hole. But only one scientist is left over, uh, this guy, Dr. Hans Reinhardt, uh, who is like this legendary scientist guy who had been on this ship. And, you know, everyone thought that he was long gone because the ship disappeared. Uh, but he's kind of like, I don't know, he's like... He's a scientist, but he's got this this uh, reputation, like this overly dramatic, you know, heroic, like just guy who always wants to be on the cutting edge and have something, you know, to show for it. And just he's never good enough is never good enough for him. Um, And so, yeah, they find he's on here and the whole, you know, the whole crew of the ship is long gone. He's the only one left and everything else on the ship is robots. Um, and so they, you know, they basically are, are talking to him. They're like, what the hell, you know, why did you, why did you go off mission? Why did you, why did you not come back home? And so, you know, they're like, Hey, he, he knew that it was his like life's work to study this black hole and to learn about it and to potentially be on the precipice of another world. And, you know, all this other shit. Um, and so you know they they end up uh, they end up kind of sticking around to kind of just see what the deal is here and and he Hans convinces them to like take his research and bring it back and like show everyone home what he's what he's learned but he's like I'm not coming with you um, the weird shit of the movie is that this crew of robots is acting weird they're all just like they there there's two different like flavors of robots there's there's like these ones that are just like red and they're militant and they have like guns and then there's also there's also maximilian who's like this one only one of a kind like big you know hulking robot guy uh and then all of the other ones that are manning the controls and doesn't doing he have stuff like doesn't like he
2: have these- like little teeny tiny modok feet
3: he has like weirdly small legs. Yeah, yeah. No, they they specifically only show him from the chest up most of the movie, and I caught on to that, and I'm like, does his bottom look stupid? And then like in a couple scenes they showed it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> it fucking does. He looks dumb. He's got these weird like wide apart like two skinny legs, and it's like, just make it not stupid. Why? <laughs> you could also. Why do that. did you do this? So like I don't know. Right. Uh, but um and then so all the other robots that are manning the controls are just these black robed humanoids that have a perfectly like mirror shine orb of a face and mm-hmm. like all you just see is this perfect you know kind of sheen on their faces there's there's no texture there's no contour and, uh, it's just like, okay, whatever. Uh, but one of the characters observes like what seems like a robot funeral. Like there's a bunch of robots that are just hoisting up this big coffin like thing, and then just sending it out into space. And then there's another character who sees a robot that has a limp They're They're walking with a limp and they're like, this is weird. Why, why are these like, these robots are doing like bizarre human type things that don't feel like it makes sense. Uh, and, and whatever, uh, and so you you do eventually find out that uh, basically the crew of the ship never left the ship. The crew of the ship is right where they've always been. Uh, and that the Dr. Hans has done some kind of really fucked up science wizardry to keep these people in like a, a living dead state. Where they are just able to like... M- do tasks and do things and and be like on autopilot but have like no sense of humanity left over it is assumed that they are just fucking miserable and probably just want to die it's pretty uh, and dark. and it, pretty dark. it's 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 very dark um and this movie i'd say like overall it's really goddamn slow but I will say that the atmosphere is what kept me going. Like I, I really liked the the unsettling, creepy vibe. I will say that it's kind of betrayed by some of the robots, especially Vincent. Like Vincent's really goofy. I I like his acting. I like his actor and his voice and like the the lines he gives and the stuff he gets to do. But Vincent as a robot is so extremely dumb looking that it's like it super takes me out of like the severity of this this mission um which is like i guess i don't know you can call it like a lame reason and that's fair but i still just feel like man their robot pal is so goddamn dopey looking and and everything else here is really fucking severe uh the
2: two the the two two goofy robots really hurt it for me a lot they
3: they they definitely hurt it i mean the, the things that they do and the lines that they give are are good like they 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 just design wise are really just like these bizarre mushrooms with these overly large, like square rounded off, but square eyes with tiny little pupils. And they, they just look ridiculous. Um, yeah, but whatever, you know, so this, this, this reveal is, is super creepy. Um, I, I, you know the, the the scene where the guy walks over and you know sp- spins one of these robots around and just pulls off its mask and you just get this like extremely like drained like it's a it's not a real person's face it's like it's all rubber and like the mouth is just oh like, oh it is
2: it is like, that's an actor oh it is yeah
3: Man, I mean they they literally just look so like like drained of life like they're like skin looks like rubbery but kind of sweaty and like the mouth is just opening and closing yeah. slightly and the eyes are all black and it's just like whoa what the dude fuck? Like that is that is creepy that
2: shot was a kinder trauma moment for me that was seared I, into my brain i get it dude. from I, age you know whatever i was super super young really yeah. young and that specific shot it i was so young that i didn't even understand like what was going on i didn't really understand any of all the stuff you just said i just remember that shot and oh my god it is just haunting mm-hmm.
1: yeah what, what yeah. was this thing called uh, so if you look just up the crew the, I mean, yeah so
2: if you look up the if you look up black hole humanoids you'll find it
3: yeah yeah um and and I mean well, I, I okay. really do i I feel like this movie is the type of sci-fi that is why I love Event Horizon because mm-hmm. it's it's creepy sci-fi, mm-hmm. but it's not a horror movie. Nothing about this movie is like graphic or a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Most of the movie right. is just a crew sort of trying to figure out what the fuck this guy's deal is. Why is he still out here? And it, it's kind of just like a, you know, acclimating to what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. But then you do get those those few moments of like, whoa. Mm-hmm. you know and the whole time you're just unsettled which i which yeah is is a a emotion i really value mm-hmm. in in movies and i think that you know sci-fi can do it super well uh the movie does end in a very bizarre way <laughs> i mean things kind of go crazy and uh and you get just this like you know fever dreamish sequence a la 2001 where you're yeah. just like oh okay suddenly we're like we're, we're like we're in hell like we're in that's fucking it, hell yeah. it's just yeah. there's red everywhere there's like yeah. ro- sh- like you know rows and rows and rows of just these robed figures and chanting and like fire and shit and you're like what the actual fuck is that's, going that's that's literally and,
2: it that's literally like, it the, the director just, admitted that
3: like so like you have that you have hell and then yeah. the the crew who is like the people that you've been with the whole movie they um they they take this other ship. The, the, the genius of this Dr. Hans was that he figured out a trajectory that he could he could launch this ship through that would take it directly through the black hole and not interface with like the extreme gravity on the outside of it at all. And so that it would just be able to perfectly go through it like a swoosh in basketball <laughs> and not at all get ripped apart.
0: So nothing they, but
3: that. nothing but, nothing but <laughs> that. exactly. <laughs> so the, the crew takes a different shuttle and they are still able to upload his schematic, his his you know trajectory and, and do that. And so they set the, the flight course and it goes. It goes through the black hole. And they don't end up in hell. They end up in some just I mean like bizarre heavenly kind of glowy white whatever. So I mean it feels like this is this must be heaven. You know, if they're just so clearly depicting hell, this feels like heaven, the alternative. But um it just sort of ends there. And it's it's really just kind of like a like a what the fuck kind of moment, um, and you're left not feeling like the, the movie isn't about giving you closure. You're not like oh great the day's saved. It's just sort of like this all is what happened, and it's not necessarily good. It's not necessarily bad. It's just like this is this is what happened, uh, and um, and it is a bummer. I actually think because Ernest Borgnine's character was like cool for most of the movie but then he like he like gets squirrely and he tries to betray and just like fly off fly off and leave all the other good guys behind uh and then instead he ends up getting fucking shot out of the sky and it's like oh man, what a shitty end for that character you know mm. it's like, damn it the guy just like totally weaseled out in the last minute um but it's an interesting watch it's on disney plus uh you can you can check it out they they uh, Admirably, have it on there. I honestly am impressed that they yeah, have I agree. that on there. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is a very just interesting piece of sci fi history. It's a weird mm-hmm. movie, you know, it came out in 1979. So it came out before a lot of sci fi that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's not amazing at all, but it's, it's interesting. And, and it I, does I have like its do
2: fans, honestly. There are people who just love it. Um, I watched it on Disney plus for the first time since I was a little, little kid and saw that scary face that was seared into my brain. And, uh, like, dude, like I just, I was bored to tears with this movie and, and like,
3: it's so slow.
2: It's just, oh my God, this doesn't work for me on any level at all. Yeah, And I was so nervous about the freaking face too, like as a freaking 42 year old man, like when I watched it, but, um, so funny, you know, it's not a big deal, but it's just, it's funny when things are seared into your brain as a little kid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I've seen lots of people talk about it online and they just, they love it. They love this movie and stuff, so it's like, yeah, cool it's definitely yeah. an important, like you said all the stuff you said, it's it's worth it's worth a mention, absolutely it deserves to be in the conversation of, you know, important sci-fi movies, Disney tried something that was so different they it was did. so unbelievably far off center for them, Yeah. and it, it didn't pay off, it was a huge bomb and uh, it was a huge failure um, but they tried, you know so yeah
3: yeah gotta give him credit for that you know i mean it's it's a thing that you don't see anymore and i mean to be fair it didn't technically bomb because it it did make money but like it it was unsuccessful so it 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 cost 20 million to make and they made 36 million um but like yeah it it just you know it was an experiment it didn't go as as well as they wanted to they they called it quits there um Mm -hmm. but you know i i respect like that experimental storytelling it's Look, I'm not going to pretend that it's easy to do. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, why don't people take risks anymore?" It's cuz everything's a million times more expensive now. And like risk-taking is potentially like life-breaking. If if you take a big enough risk and it goes poorly, everybody that's associated could potentially be impacted. So people play it safe now. I get it. But I do still appreciate this, you know, this era where people were you know, taking risks and stuff like that. Just to, you know, like Disney coming out with something like this today would be fucking insane. Uh, it would never happen. Um, but yeah,
1: you know, the black hole mm-hmm. was
3: was an interesting watch.
1: Nice. I have to check that out. Um, so my my pick would be Stargate, the the movie. Um, it came out in 1994. It was directed and co written by Roland Emmerich. The film is the first entry in the Stargate media franchise and stars Kurt Russell, James Spader, Jane Davidson, Alex Alexis Cruz, Millie Avital Ab- and Vivica Lynn Lanfers. The plot centers on the premise of a Stargate, which is an ancient ring-shaped device that creates a wormhole enabling travel to a similar to a similar device elsewhere in the universe. The film's central plot explores the theory of extraterrestrial beings having an influence upon human civilizations. Um, So I didn't particularly love this movie um, mostly because I thought Kurt Russell was just terrible in this movie. Um, I didn't like his portrayal of Jack O'Neill. Right, so you you're a huge fan of the show. Was the this show. your first time seeing the movie? No, I think it's my... I've I've seen this movie in the theater when it came out.
2: Oh, okay. And I
1: kind of felt the same way. I kind of, I kind of felt it was just okay. So that's why, I, like, at the time, like, I never... When the show came out, I was like, mm, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm glad I got into the show. But um, mm. yeah, so what was interesting, though, is that the whole movie is, like... It's, like, all Egyptian stuff mm-hmm. there. they're like the, the theory is that the pyramids that we have here on earth were not built by humans or the the egyptian <laughs> people it was an extraterrestrial race they're very humanoid ish um and uh daniel jackson who is uh played by james spader um He has a seminar and he's trying to explain these people. Okay, well, I my theory is these pyramids are not from Earth. I think they were sent here. Uh, If you look at the statistics and like nothing makes sense compared to what the information we have now, whatever. And people just laugh at him. They're like, "You're a fucking idiot. Go the fuck home, you drunk."
0: Mm.
1: And um, and everyone leaves except for this this old lady. So she's she's kind of like watching from like the doorway. She's like, "This guy's onto something." (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. So, so he comes out of the building, and it's all raining and everything, and and uh, and these guys they come out like, "Are you Daniel Jackson?" He's like, "Yeah, why?" He's like, "Okay, get in this car. Why? Just fucking do it. Just get in the car." <laughs> so that old lady is in the car, and she's trying to, to explain to him. It's like, hey, you know, I think you're onto something. If you want to prove your theories are correct, then this is. This is all the information you need. This is the flight. You come to this place as soon as possible, and I got a project for you. And so he's like, "Okay, fine." And so he goes and and uh, he goes to, to this base, and there's this is no slab of rock with like all these hieroglyphics uh, uh, written all over it, and uh, these people could not figure out what. What these things meant, and he figured it out like within a couple days. So he's like, he has all, he has his chalkboard. He's like, okay, this means this, that means that. And like, okay, so this is called stargate. This is, this is what it does. Blah blah blah. And people are like, what the, f-? like, what the hell? Like this, that's not what we got. But okay, whatever. So it turns out that that his theory was correct, and he's like, okay, this is a stargate. This is a, the, the portal. that creates a wormhole. Whatever. So. So they figured out like what these things on the Stargate means. Like, so the Star- Stargate has symbols all around it, and there's the six six different points to which um, the address goes to, and the seventh point is the the, the destination. So you have like um, uh, all these chevrons; that's what they call them. And uh, so you dial like any any address, it'll take you to like a specific location anywhere in the universe that has, that also has a Stargate. So the one that they discovered was a, a planet, which they don't say the name of the planet, but they, they find that there's a civilization there and, and they don't speak a word of English, thankfully, because that would just be dumb. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, the, the team is trying to communicate with the, these people and, and, um, yeah, the very Egyptian, like the whole civilization yeah. looks like
2: ancient Egypt, like very much like, Oh, yeah. okay. These were the people who originally built the stuff or whatever for the aliens, but this they're here now, like, cause they're yeah. human, right? Yeah. They're, they're like they're human, they're human, like, but they were left on the other side of the stargate probably thousands of years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, they're just chilling. They're just chilling, chilling like a villain. And, uh mm. Yeah, so then, then they discover uh, the eye of Ra, uh, which is that that they, the the eye symbol that you normally would see, uh, Yes. the eye of the, the, the weird curl or whatever at the mm-hmm. end. And, um, so it turns out that that is you know Ra is a possessed child from uh, a, a species I don't remember the name of the species. I don't, I don't think they particularly named them in the movie. Not in the movie. Um, but they did they the show. Yeah, they don't name him in the movie. Um, like it some, some type of the kid got infected by some kind of symbiote or whatever, and uh, so he becomes like, you know, this powerful being. He's like, okay, well i I will now control everything because you no, know, I cheated death and I can do everything. People will bow before me. I'm I'm the true god or whatever. Yeah. And um, I mean, it was it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I do recommend watching it if you know if you it's a sci-fi, but I definitely prefer the show a lot more. I don't want to get too much into it, because we're, like, over, like, well, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah, definitely shout out to the uh, the tech um, in this movie is really, really cool, and I just, uh, I always adored how they had the gods, and you're like, okay, well, Ra's the god, ra from our ancient egyptian mythology that we have on earth it's this is the guy well he also has other gods working for him but they're not really animal-headed deities they're people in like robotic suits and they have these like big tall headed like heads that look like animal heads and there's anubis and there's horus who has a a falcon head and uh really really amazingly awesome looking I think they are just incredible yeah and yeah. Uh, the guy who plays Horace is actually Jaimon hansu who is Jaimon hansu I mean like <laughs> holy crap he was he was Horace in this movie uh totally cool yeah
1: really cool all right so now we're gonna move on to the TV shows or nice. series or whatever and uh, we will start with a Alchemy this time Oh hey! Oh, hey so
3: oh, hey, so the show that I got to watch, I'm I'm really excited to talk about because it's a show that I have wanted to watch for a really long time and only got to actually get into for this episode. Uh, I will keep things pretty brief, but the show is Farscape, hmm. uh, which is just. I don't know. I mean, for a period of time there, there was just constant sci-fi shows that were on main mainstream primetime television, and this was one that I remembered. Uh, and then I learned later that it was it was primarily all the special effects and everything were handled by Jim Henson, and I was like, oh, geez, you know. I've, Jim Henson stuff's fucking awesome. I can't believe mm. I never saw this show. Uh, so um, Farscape is an Australian-American science fiction TV sh- series produced originally for the Nine Network. It premiered on, uh, on Sci-Fi Channel in the U.S. Uh, in 1999. Uh, and uh, the series was originally conceived by Rockney S. O'Bannon and produced by the Jim Henson Company and Hallmark Entertainment. Jim Henson Co. was responsible for various alien makeup and prosthetics and two regular characters that are always on the show, the animatronic puppet Rigel and Pilot. Uh, And I have to say, just Pilot is like one of the coolest puppets I've ever seen Jim Henson Company do. He's just fucking awesome. Yep, It's just goddamn crazy. Uh, uh, They are entirely made from the Jim Henson creature shop. Uh, the show ran for four seasons and 88 episodes before being canceled uh although a fifth season was initially planned uh but the network pulled the plug which sucks ass but unfortunately uh well two things so unfortunately it ended it on a cliffhanger but uh fortunately uh brian henson who did you know a lot of the direction directing and stuff like that at those of you may assume jim henson's son uh brian henson also was later able to regain access to the farscape uh rights and do a three-hour mini-series called farscape the peacekeeper war uh which got to end the story um which is which is great because man that is just such a shitty thing to have happen especially a show that's going on that long i mean 88 episodes is not a fucking short amount of time and to then be just like have the plug pulled it's like oh my god what the hell yeah. mm-hmm. um so the premise of the show uh, i mean like i said i i'm in the first season so all of you out there who've already watched this forgive me i'm i'm you know gonna tell this holistic story point as if it's the whole show it's literally the first season but uh the premise of the show is the a u.s space scientist named john Crichton, played by ben browder Embarks on a ship to conduct an experiment when a wormhole opens up and sucks him into deep space. His ship is thrown into a a firefight, dogfight in space, and crashes into another ship, uh, which kills its pilot. Uh, the pilot's brother is actually this big deal hotshot guy of the peacekeepers, who are like these you know intergalactic cops uh, that are just. kind of the assholes of the show sorry cops um but yeah they are definitely not viewed favorably and um and so he kind of becomes like just completely consumed with like i need to kill this john this john Crichton guy i gotta kill this guy like he scans the ship and, and finds out what he looks like in this whole thing uh but he ends up uh you know managing to get out of it and then and gets Kind of swept up in this this whole thing and ends up on this ship that is a prison transport ship called Moya, which is a living uh, spaceship. It's it's a leviathan ship, which they establish are a breed of ships that are living, and um, they are driven by a pilot who has to like essentially biologically like meld, bind with the ship and become that ship's pilot forever like pilot doesn't get to leave moya pilot occupies doesn't
2: doesn't pilot not even get to leave his chair
3: yeah no pilot pilot doesn't walk like pilot is like fused in place at Mm. the core of moya and they like they will talk to him via communicator and sometimes people will physically go to his room and talk to Mm -hmm. him in person but pilot is just like fixed. and I guess mm-hmm. that's just the deal with Leviathan class ships they, they are like this um, the the show the, the ship is a prison transport ship. everyone on board are escapees. Uh, they are prison escapees and they all have their own backstories and everything. I think a huge part of the fun of the show is you know you' you're, you're the role of John Crichton you're the person who's like in this scenario. you don't know who anybody is. John doesn't know who anybody is. They're all these different you know alien races. And they all have their own shit going on. And none of them really know all of each other's shit either. They're just like kind of a ragtag group that are, you know, thrown together by the circumstances. Um, so the first, you know, I think I watched eight episodes, eight or nine episodes. Um, and oh, cool. I mean they're just kind of like going through all these different like episodic adventures. Um, the writing is very good. I I think every episode except for like one I felt was just like a really great dire you know concerning situation that you're like oh my god this feels like the worst thing that could ever happen and then the next episode happens and you're like man that last episode feels like a joke like this seems way worse
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, but
3: it's 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 done in a way that's interesting it's not just one upping itself it's there's there's these neat layers to everything um the other characters other than john there's dargo who's played by anthony simcoe he's a very cool alien he's so race. Cool. He's got all these like tentacles on his face and some of them have like this darker almost tattoo kind mm. of patterning to it he's got a big beard i i love dargo he's yeah really dargo's cool. so cool um he's-
2: He's totally like the wolverine of the show and he, he looks he like-
3: reminds me of the virgil like like from mighty max like he's he's the oh, show's virgil i don't know why that. <laughs> i'm mean, not not virgil um the norman guy. norman that's what norman, I mean. yeah he's the show's norman um and and uh rigel is the show's virgil if we're gonna do the mighty max thing uh but yeah so, so dargo <laughs> looks is, looks wise yeah definitely except he's not yeah. a
2: He's not a Lumerian foul, actually.
3: (laughs) Actually. Um, But yeah, Dargo's really cool. Unfortunately, they do lean on him a little too much to be like the crux of problems in the first bunch of episodes, which like I get it. He's hot tempered. He's barbaric. He's easily susceptible to, Mm. you know, just like shit. So they, they lean on him like three or four times as like he's the main problem thing. But they do it in radically different ways, so, so yeah. I think it's, it's still done well. Um, there's Zahn, who is uh, played by Virginia Hay. Zahn is my favorite character. She is so damn awesome she's this all blue woman bald you know bald got this just very loose fitting robe but her best character
2: is makeup so, on oh tv my god ever of all time holy
3: shit i mean of all holy time. fuck virginia hay is in this head-to-toe fucking makeup every episode right she because is
0: in she's in the
3: show She's yeah, naked well,
0: like a lot.
3: She, she's she's naked, but but I mean she she almost always wears like a loose like cloth like wrap thing. But mm-hmm. her her character is so interesting because she's like she's this priest who once upon a time was like you you learn little bits here and there who's like she used to be a savage and she used to be uh just a total like warrior and then changed her ways threw all that away, was like, I can't live this life, became a priest. She she be she we know that she was a leader of like this kind of, you know, anti-government, like rebellious group, uh, all this other stuff. But she is like the single like life force binding factor for this ragtag group of people because all of them without Zahn would be just like at each other's fucking throats. Mm-hmm. But Zahn has this awesome presence to come into a room and she's always very evenly spoken very evenly tempered has this very nice soothing way about her and she talks to all the characters in different spots different scenes and legitimately like gets to have real like you know address things that are bothering these people and talk to them and work through it even one episode where like just this murderous fucking crazy guy this alien race that they capture is on the ship and the whole time he's just like no i just want to get out of here i'm gonna you know fucking kill everybody where's my stuff and she just like does not let him get to her and she just like continuously tries to just talk to him like anybody else and eventually what you know wears him down and stuff and thinks that she's really you know struck a chord and, and maybe changed this guy's life and then you find out at the end of the episode he just goes exactly back to the way he was and nothing fucking mattered and you can see that it really affected her um but she's also like a total badass but she keeps it under wraps she like the, in 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 one of the episodes she was talking about uh she was actually that episode with that alien guy he he's like trying to be all macho and he like he like removes his clothes and it's just like what you've never seen like my species before blah blah blah. you never seen us you know naked what are you afraid and she's just like oh you seem to misunderstand me like nudity is something that i fear she's like i'm used to being nude that's how my people typically are and so she just throws her clothes on the ground and like stands in front of him and she's like fucking jacked like she's like got huge muscles that you would not even know like she's toned as shit and then she just like you know picks the thing back up and the guy's jaws on the fucking floor and she's just like anyway you know i hope you you know enjoy your rest and and rest up i'll I'll come back Mm. later like she's just so even and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like every episode, I'm like, oh, Z- Zan's the shit. Zan's on. I can decide. I, she's awesome. I thought she, I, I really thought her
2: and Dargo her. were just so incredibly cool when. Yeah. Like, I didn't see a lot of this show, but I always liked it when I did see it, and it's always been one of those shows that I wanted to go back to and watch the whole thing. Um, yeah. and I I thought that she was just visually the most amazing thing. I literally mm-hmm. cannot believe the detail on her makeup. It's like you know, she's not just blue. There's so much detail in her skin so much
3: texture and uh, my yeah. God, I, I mean she right is now. just
2: and there's even when she's not you know nude and you know she's she's got a lot of skin showing, and it's it's amazing how good she looks she's so cool yeah. i I really liked her a lot too and, yeah, but, i but and exactly. the designs on this show of all the characters are like maybe not Rigel, but like everybody else is just like amazing. Like, I love all the designs. They're so cool. I mean, and yeah. Dargo, like, looks like... Who, who who would think, like, oh, I'm going to make a badass race, and I'm going to kind of make him look like an owl? Like, mm-hmm. no, owls are wise. What? Why would you even think that? So bizarre, but he does. He kind of looks like an owl yeah. guy. Yeah, it's it so bizarre. It's it's like, man, I love I love the designs on this yeah. show.
3: Yeah, I, I think they did such a great job, and and I don't know if it persists past season one, but from what I've seen of season one, you know, obviously shows a lot of times they they show all their bravado right up front. Mm-hmm. I mean. My God, every episode there is just nonstop creature effects and puppets and different right. sorts of, you know, Jim Henson spectacular, like mm. everywhere. Uh, and it is just nonstop entertaining for that, for that fact alone, just the eye right. candy of it and the puppetry of it. Uh, I mean, so one of the other, so there's, there's Aaron who is a, um, she's a peacekeeper. She just essentially looks like a human. Um, they do describe some differences between humans and peacekeepers. Uh mm. And or peacekeeper's not her race. I forget her race, but uh, she's she's very human similar. Uh, and there's also Rigel, who's the other puppet. Um, the other than other than pilot, I mean, Rigel's kind of like this like slug guy with big eyebrows, and he's like was once a royalty, but his throne was stolen by his cousin. But it was stolen like 130 years ago. But he still won't shut up about it, and it's just like you know i don't know he's just defined by who he should have been not who he right. is right he
2: looks like he's going to be the the wise old the wise one, right. sage but and it's like no he's, he's kind just of just a the selfish
3: whiny prince. baby yeah yeah he's just um, a pain but, in the ass <laughs> but the thing i also like is that no character is one note even when in those first episodes like rigel has gotten plenty of scenes where he's just a whiny bitch and then he has other scenes where he's like actually you know taking like doing something pretty meaningful and, and doing and saying mm. different things. And you're like, okay, there's, there's depth to everyone. This, these mm-hmm. characters are super, you know, super three-dimensional and, and interesting. Um, the puppetry for Rigel and pilot were all done by a crew of puppeteers. There's John Eccleston, Matthew McCoy, Dave Collins, Sean Masterson, Graham Haddon, and Tim Meville. Uh, and Rigel was voiced by Jonathan Hardy and pilot was voiced by Landy Tubu. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say anything more than I really friggin' like this show. And I mean, I just... In in a few days, I've watched nine episodes, and I'm just like, want to watch more. I mean, the, the episode that I just got through had such an interesting development with Zan that I'm like, I really want to know what's going to happen next uh and i don't know it's 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 done super well so i i don't know if i'll go through the whole thing but i definitely still have an appetite for it what so what, uh,
2: what are you watching it on
3: so it is interestingly enough completely officially available for free on YouTube. It is oh, not wow. a bootleg uh, print at all. It is the official YouTube movies and TV section. Uh, Interesting. The entirety of the show Farscape is available there, all four seasons. Uh, wow. It is also available to purchase. I'm not sure why you would purchase it over watching it for free. I it it might be because I have a YouTube like premium thing, but I. I don't honestly know, um, but it is available on YouTube. The quality is really pretty solid. It's great. Um, So, yeah, I had no trouble finding it, which was really nice. Um, But, yeah, Farscape is super cool, and it has a ton of fans. I mean, it's one of the rare instances where, like, the comments section on YouTube Every single comment on every episode is nothing but like praise and just glowing Mm -hmm. and like people just loving this. Like, there's no hate. Everyone's just fucking so happy that like it's available and they can watch it. So, see,
2: that is is something good that comes of being finite. If you stopped. And you like you didn't continue for another billion years, you know. If we were still talking only about the original Star Wars three movies or whatever, you know, I mean, it, it never gets tainted. It's just over time, right. you know. People right. get their expectations, and obviously, you can't like ever please everybody hundred percent of the time, anyway. But like that is super cool that it like that they went back and finished off the series with the Peacekeeper Wars. I do remember that happening and thinking that that was so neat because I really did always. Really appreciate that this show existed. And I
0: yeah
2: I still want to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Now you're making me want to watch it obviously more. It, yeah. And yeah, uh,
0: it's cool. Yeah. And I
2: saw I I saw it like it was one of those shows I watched when I caught it. Like right. But I never saw like every episode. But if it was on, yeah, it's I'd so be much like, harder to, to be like, okay,
0: okay
1: I'm totally gonna day. watch this. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: yeah. I mean, to, one one those, it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was one of those shows that I knew existed. But I just like never bothered to watch it for whatever reason. Just never mm-hmm. had, even had a chance to, or just forgotten about it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's definitely the, the next show that I want to get into after I'm done with uh, the current show that I'm watching.
2: It's very um, visual. Yeah, it, it so much, it, it, so much more visual than most TV sci-fi. I mean, the the mm-hmm. reason you you come up with aliens that have like a bumpy bridge on their nose is because it's cheap. Like everything, you have to cut corners when you can. I yeah. I don't understand how this show was able to even exist at all. Like the amount of freaking money it must have cost to yeah, produce it one seems freaking like it episode.
3: The most expensive show ever. Like, I like, mean, really,
2: it's it it seriously seems that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like it just looked no. too good. It just looked too good. I don't know if it was like, oh well, no, Jim Henson Company is going to take a hit, and they didn't care. They're like, nope, we're going to produce top shelf quality stuff, and it doesn't matter, um, or what. I don't really know, but yeah, it's it is very interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. It's right like
2: right. it looks more like Star Wars and play, and it plays more like Star Trek.
3: Yeah, and and I think the thing I I kind of didn't get to mention is that there's like a super strong sense of a um, unintentional family dynamic like as all of these characters are becoming more comfortable with each other, like everyone is really supportive of each other in different ways. And you start seeing characters who are normally really, you know, prickly on the outside, starting to yield and and be more, you know, forthcoming and trusting and emotional. And so you're getting like this development of this group as a family, starting out as a bunch of people that basically don't even want to be in the same room together. And then it just kind of just grows and grows. So you really feel that that momentum building and the attachment just growing as these characters are also getting attached to each other. I mean, the, the writing is super good. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if the writers went on to do anything else that I'm aware of, but <clears throat> yeah, it's like, it's just super well told. It's uh, it's, it's a gem. It's pretty, it's mm, pretty cool. Nice. nice,
0: Awesome.
1: Awesome. So I'll, I'll go next. Um, I'll be really quick about it. Uh, so my, my TV show that I picked is, Stargate SG One. Um, this show is is so good. I am so mad at myself that I skipped out on it. Um, yeah, I didn't actually start watching it uh, while it was still on. I didn't start actually watching it until like season seven, I want to say. And uh, just at the time, you couldn't go back and watch uh, the past episodes or anything. Like no, you can now with streaming, right. Um But uh, yeah, so. SG one kind of it, it continues off where the movie left off. So at the end of the movie, Daniel Jackson like stays behind and and learns from these people, learns their language, and he teaches them our language. So in the first episode, they they go back to that planet and they they recover Daniel Jackson and then all these people. The some of the same act, the some of the same people that are in the movie. Come back for the show, even though it's just brief. But hey, it's still really cool that they reprised yeah the models, um, which I didn't know until I watched the, the movie recently. Like, oh shit, I remember this person. Um, mm-hmm. So, so they, so they, 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 they go to where Daniel Dan Jackson is, and all the people there are you no, know, they can speak English. I mean, not very well, but they can. You know they can understand each other. The front, there's finally like a communication thing going on. Everyone can understand each other, and they, they form like an alliance with the, with everyone, and it's just really, really cool. And then you come across like new characters, like um, Samantha Carter, played by Amanda Tapping, um, who, like I mentioned earlier, that she's like one of my favorite sci fi characters of all time because because mm-hmm. she's fucking brilliant for one thing, and she's a total fucking badass. Like she's you know she's in the military, and you know, she'll she'll fuck you up instantaneously she's she's Mm -hmm. so fucking awesome i love her so much and um and then and then you find teal who you find on that planet um he's he secretly like wants to free his people from slavery from the guauld and um and in the show they finally they tell you what these parasites are that that control the human body and they're called um uh, they're they're called the guauld they're like a symbiote
2: so that's that's raw raw was one of these guys Yeah, i was
1: one of these guys and uh so they, they kind of like expanded on that and so like the first five uh five six seasons um the whole point was to free the Jafa from from like people like raw and like anubis and all that stuff and um and then they, they come across like other problems, like okay, so now we have the replicators, so like these, these little machines that can replicate themselves and they can make themselves look like people they wanted to. You like you wouldn't even fucking know. And so so they become a threat. They wanna they want like eradicate all living things, they want to like absorb everyone's technologies and everything for themselves, and then kill everyone else off. So they have to deal with that. So it's like one thing after another in the show, it's like it's so Chaotic, and I love it. It's so, so good. Um, the the the, the uh, actor who plays um, Jack O'Neill is the guy who plays um, MacGyver. M-
2: MacGyver, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, what's his name? Fuck, can't remember.
2: His Dean, name. Dean, something. Dean Richardson. Maybe. Alan, Alan Dean Richardson.
1: Alan Dean Richardson. Yeah,
2: I think so, that's what it is.
1: Yeah, so I love him in the show, like. To me, this is Jack O'Neill. Not the Kurt Russell. Yeah. Jack O'Neill. It's like, I like this Jack O'Neill way better because he's he's not too military like in the movie. Um, he's more like laid back, cocky, um, wants to get shit done. He wants to blow shit up. That's his method of everything. And you have like other people like Daniel Jackson and the man of cars. Yeah, sure, they can kick ass too, but they want to plan things out, make sure no one else dies. As where Jack Neil just wants to throw throw grenades at whatever, just missiles, just blow shit up, whatever. So, um, yeah. So, oh, oh no, it's Richard Dean Anderson. Sorry, Richard
2: Dean, oh, Richard Richard Dean, Dean Anderson.
1: Anderson. Okay. Yeah. So what did I say? I said Richardson. Uh, yeah and there was it doesn't
2: matter right richard (laughs) dean yeah we we did a version of it i said alan
1: dean richardson
2: it's richard dean anderson
0: yeah
1: (laughs) um tilk is played by um uh what's his name kratos great yeah the guy who plays kratos and the the, the boy yeah christopher
2: uh is it christopher judge
1: yes yes christopher judge thank you um He's so awesome. He's definitely one of my favorite characters on the show. Um, indeed. Um, yeah, so he he eventually turns his back on his former master and joins the SG-1 unit, and he stays with them throughout the entire ten seasons. So even though he frees his people from slavery, he stays with SG-1 because he considers them as family and, mm-hmm. and has a close bond with, with everyone. And um, it's just, it's such a good show. It's like I I recommend. It. I'm I'm currently on season nine right now, and this is when they they started changing the cast a little bit. Um, uh, Richard Dean Anderson uh, left the show after season eight and gets replaced by Ben Browder, formerly That's of Marscape.
3: Friggin' Crazy. <laughs> so he
1: becomes the leader of SG one, and then. Claudia Black, who is also on Fire yeah, She's Aaron. Uh, she, yep. she she's on the show for the last two seasons. She was also in, in the episode of season eight. And she plays like a like a thief or something like that. She dresses up as like one of the, the uh the current enemies that they're facing at the time. And of course, they didn't know at the time, they didn't know it was just a person. She just stole the suit. And the suit is like a previous to like energy blasts. So they like shoot at shoot at her and like nothing would happen, whatever. So mm-hmm. she's good, so good she's so that, that that was really cool. And so I'm glad she she came <laughs> back permanently later on in the next season. Neat. So yeah, SG1, so good. There's also um, yeah, Stargate Atlantis as well, which I also loved.
3: I remember and, seeing um, ads for that all the time. Yeah, that that's where I uh,
1: the first time I ever saw um. Uh, what's-his-face? face Fucking Aquaman.
3: Oh, yeah, Momoa. Jason Momoa. Momoa, Jason
1: Momoa, yeah. It's like, oh, my God. like I, I love Jason Momoa in that show.
3: Yeah.
2: But now it's like... After,
1: now, now you see more of him. It's like, okay, well, now he's just rowing every time. That's his name on the show is Rowan. It's like he's just Rowan every fucking everything that he does. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm kinda All right, it's
2: like that. it's like Dwayne Johnson, you know, he just kinda he's okay, just we get it. you are kind of the yeah. same this as is, time. This is what you one, this is your act.
1: One trick pony or Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um but yeah, it's it's a, it's a really fun show. I, I, I'm loving every moment of it. It's really nice. fun. So after after I'm done with this show, I'm gonna go on to Escape and nice. Yeah. I highly highly recommend. And also, I highly recommend uh, Stargate Atlantis as well. There's also um, Stargate Universe, which didn't last nearly as long. It's not as good either, but it's still decent. Mm. So, yeah, Stargate SG1. Good show. Sweet. Parasite Stephen.
2: Okay, last one I will uh, I will take us home. Um, I have a quick one here. It is a it is an out of left field choice as well, just like eight bits. Um, so i I have the show Red Dwarf. Um, and I have alluded to it a couple of times already, but mm-hmm. this is a really fun show that admittedly I have not seen all of, but I had seen all of it uh, up to a certain point. And then it just keeps coming back. It's like, it's like a virus. It just, I don't know. You think you're, you're free of it and it just keeps coming back. You get the cold back and it's just, I don't know. It's back. It's like again, but anyway, it's a British sci-fi sitcom created by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Um, And in a 2019 ranking by Empire, Red Dwarf came 80th on a list of 100 best TV shows of all time. It is really, really, really loved. Really loved in England. Um, I knew of this show in college because a lot of people I knew were like into it, Um, but it wasn't on TV here. So it was harder to watch. You had to like find it on, you know, find tapes of it or something at the time. VHS tapes. The original run was from February 15th, 1988 to April 5th, 1999. So, pretty solid original run, but it did Uh. not have a, they don't call them seasons there, they call them series. It didn't have a series every single year, though. So, it was always like a kind of occasional show. Um, Then it got a revival in 2009. So, uh, and that uh set, it's supposedly it's it's like ongoing um but it's on hiatus but it's not technically canceled so it's it's kind of like it's, it's during limbo. the original it's <laughs> kind of like during the original run where like you'd have two years or three years and you wouldn't have a season it's kind of like that but it's it's oh, been weird. going on lo- longer than that so in total there have been 12 seasons or series with wow. 73 half hour episodes so not a ton of episodes because it's it's England and they have six season six episode series, you know. So every season's okay. like you know, six episodes. So it's, re- it's really easy to go through. And um, I would say that it's it's a really like goofy sitcom with a laugh track, which is not my favorite. I usually hate laugh tracks with a passion, yeah. but um I sort of just forced myself to stick with it. I'm like, no, I wanna I wanna like go, I wanna be in for the long haul because I feel like I will eventually love this. And I eventually loved it, like for sure. So very, very cheap, um, low budget type show, but it got better every year. You go back to the original season, and it is just like so like plain all of the walls are just dark gray there's like no planets they go to everything just takes place on the ship so the basic plot of the show um, is you have dave lister who's played by craig charles and he's just this dude on this mining ship called the red dwarf and it is so big this freaking ship it's like a thousand enterprises. It's this giant like a block. It looks like the, the it looks like the sandcrawler from the from, from from Tatooine with the Jawas. Like it's mm-hmm. this big like tall rectangle thing. It's just a super community and it's a mining ship. And um, anyway, uh, something happens where he gets in trouble because he snuck a cat aboard. And so they put him into like <laughs> jail or the the brig but um that Good means that, that means that he was uh he was put in stasis. So it's weird it's like kind of bizarre like is that punishment? Doesn't it wouldn't that feel like you did nothing? Like I would like I'll just sleep through it. Sure, no problem. Right. But anyway, he was, so he's in stasis. Well, while that happened, it just so happened that they randomly run into a whole bunch of radiation and everybody on the ship dies. So like the first episode of the show, you get introduced to all these characters that do not survive the episode. <laughs> like,
0: <it's>, like, <laughs> like the
2: captain of the show, the ship, the everybody, they all die. And so he wakes up and he's woken up by uh, the ship's computer. Who's named His name is Holly uh but he's a man and uh he's just really funny he's like basically the best character and uh and he's like yeah sorry uh yeah um so i i have a lot to tell you and it's like 5 million years have gone by and the reason is because so everybody died but the ship was in deep space and he didn't have enough like fuel to get them home but it was like an active radiation site for Five million years. So Holly, the ship's oh computer, was just waiting for it to die down enough to wake up the only guy who was left, who was in stasis <laughs> by accident because he brought a cat on board. So, so Dave wakes up and he's like, what the hell? Like Everybody's dead. Like He doesn't believe it. And of course, whatever. So anyway, so the other characters on the show, there aren't many. Uh, the next main character is played by Chris Berry, who plays Arnold Rimmer. Who is the uh, the worst version of the character I chose in the octoponder Ace Rimmer? And he's just terrible at absolutely everything. He's like your stereotypical, snotty, snooty British guy, but he's he's so bad at everything. He's failed at everything his whole life, and yet he's somehow like he thinks he's better than everybody. And 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 anyway, so he's also dead, however. Um, The ship has the power to bring one person back as a hologram. So he chooses Rimmer for some reason, I think, because they were they were roommates or something. But the thing is, he's like the thing is like Dave couldn't stand him. They couldn't stand each other. And so it's like of all the people to bring back, you bring back. You bring back my roommate. He's like, I, ca- I can't stand him. Like, change him out. Make him, make him that girl that I was dating. And he's like, Oh, sorry, I can't. Like, it was a one time thing. Or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so you get these two. And then the third character on the show is this character who's played by Danny John Jules. Um, and he's just known as Cat. And Cat is the descendant of the cat that. Dave brought on board No fucking way. Yeah. So what happened was the cat supposedly got loose and like went down into the lower decks and somehow, I don't know, there was another cat or something and they bred together and they made a whole fucking like race of cats and over 5 million years. I don't know why. I don't remember why they didn't die of radiation, but over 5 million years they have evolved into humans so <laughs> right, I mean, so the character cat just looks like a yeah. guy he just looks like a guy with fangs like he looks like a vampire basically. <laughs> that's it, but he is the coolest motherfucker. he is like ow, yeah, yeah he's basically like James Brown and he's always dancing yeah. and like he is just the coolest shit I'm, um, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm looking at all the pictures of so funny like really see that so character,
2: yeah oh my god like. And then the fourth main character doesn't get introduced until season two, um, and the original actor was a different guy who was only in one episode. But he he's played for the the duration by David Ross, uh, and his name's Crichton, and he's the android of the group. He doesn't he's not called that. They call him like a mechanoid or there's some specific word, but he is absolutely awesome, so funny, and he is such such like a. Like a, a fuss budget. That's what he is. He's like a he's like oh okay sir. Well, and uh, he he speaks. I always thought he was being American, but uh, apparently the actor is going for Canadian. He's he's trying to do a Canadian accent, but it's pretty similar. And he does a good job, and it's really funny. But they're all British, of course. And uh, he's like oh oh hello sir. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, uh, he's like kind of nervous about absolutely everything. And 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 he, <laughs> Crichton is just awesome. He's super freaking funny. And honestly. There's not really a lot more to say. They go on adventures, the show like it keeps getting bigger and bigger and they keep trying new stuff. And um yes, the early the early season is tough and you're going to think it sucks and and whatever, but it's like you just if you stick with it. Like I feel like it's it's impossible not to love this show. Like it's so freaking good and funny and different and they Start to surprise you with how good The episodes eventually get Like you don't like every once in a while they'll be like Like a really good One and you're like whoa That was you like get, Out of
3: character that was so yeah. good
2: it's like you're getting uppity, Red Dwarf. Like, what are you doing? Don't you know your lane? Like, like, come on! And it's like, no, no, Red Dwarf gets good. And it's it is always very broad comedy. There's always that laugh track, and it is a sitcom. You know, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing ever, but it's a it is a great show. It is a great sitcom. It's very funny. It is sci-fi. It worth it's worth talking about. And uh, if you haven't. Seen it? I definitely recommend checking it out. Red Dwarf is awesome, and there's also a uh, worth. Finally, I'll end on this. There is a very famous, very used, overused maybe, uh, fake swear to the show. Any Red Dwarf fan will will be able to tell you. Uh, the word is smeg, and uh, Dave says it all the time. He's like, oh, you fucking smeghead! Oh, you smegheads!" And it's used. It's used various ways um it's like you know you can say like smeghead or smeg off or you know uh or what the smeg you know something like that basically like ah, yeah. ah. Mm-hmm. anytime you'd need any swear um you'd say smeg and um he says smeghead a lot though but and I remember there was one episode where somebody else said it besides Dave they said oh what the smegan and he'll say oh smeg in hell like stuff like that somebody said it to him and he's like watch your language <laughs> also dave talked a lot about having a curry and i did not know what the hell that meant he's like oh i just have a curry have a curry he's like like what does that mean what do you mean to have a curry what does it mean to have a curry in england it's like it's just literally to have like an indian curry dish with chicken or something like that and his favorite food in the entire world is curry he just calls it have a curry. Having a curry. I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's
3: just, yeah, it's just like a colloquialism, but that's that's right. like random. You wouldn't think that.
1: Nice. So, uh, where where can you find this?
2: Um i I didn't look that hard, uh, for this episode to see like where it's currently available. It's not available on YouTube for free. You can like rent or buy the episodes on YouTube. So it may be it may be somewhere. I actually watched it. Um, a, quite a while ago, probably in 2009, because I watched it when the new season was coming out. So actually, that probably was 2009. And then I, I saw they had they put out like one one season and then another season after that. So I was current. Like I wanted to get into it for that because they were that was yeah. like a big deal at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna watch this. I don't care. I'm gonna watch the whole thing. And I'm gonna get. I'm gonna like know Red Dwarf for good or bad, and that's what's going to happen. But at that time, it was on Netflix, but I, I I, don't think it's on Netflix anymore. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um. But yeah, funny funny stuff. But I would say the trick is to stick with it.
0: Right,
1: right. I mean, to me, I, the, the idea... Yeah, I mean, I hate laugh tracks too, but I think just the, the thought of having a laugh track on a sci-fi show is just... I don't know. I, I think it sounds intriguing. I don't mm-hmm. know that... I'm
2: kind of curious. I, I really I, want to see it. it, it eventually, I, it didn't bother me at all. Like it's just yeah. it, it, eventually, I stopped hearing it, kind of thing.
0: Right.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but right. yeah, no, good time. And and they have the space bug, which is their their version of the Defiant. It's like the ship when they need to land on a planet or they need to go and do something. It's just like the Defiant. It's like their their little. Let's go to this planet. We'll use this. And the space bug is just. Such a cute, cute spaceship. It's green and it looks like the game Cootie. I remember talking about it on one episode previously, but yeah, um, I love the space bug. It's awesome. I, I like. I totally want a space bug toy. I would love to. I would love to,
0: love to have one. <laughs> nice.
1: nice, nice. Yeah, that would awesome. be fun. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I I didn't mention this before, but uh, if you want to see the, the Stargate movie, it mm-hmm. is for free on YouTube. Oh, That's cool. How I watched it. And uh, if you want to watch the show uh, SG1, uh, it is on Prime, Amazon Prime. Uh, you can also watch uh, Atlantis and U- Universe on Hulu. So if you guys are interested cool. in that, check that out. Awesome. So yeah, so that pretty much some that's that's the episode. That's right it. That's that's it. We're done. Well, we're almost. Finally, done we're almost done.
0: Yeah. That is
1: that you know what? It's actually almost time to catch the horizon. But before we say goodbye, let's go to this.
3: If you're looking to score, you better listen to those that came before. Just sit right down and whip out your sheet music, because it's time to compose, you'll see. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to an episode of... Uh of, of compose yourself that, wow. that's what it is it's it's an edition it's an episode i mean it's not it's not going to be a full-length so episode <laughs> i am so composed well you know that's the whole point here is you need to get composed uh so i want to talk about the composer for the black hole the movie that i mentioned earlier you might remember it was an hour ago uh but it is a uh, it is a com- It features music from a composer that should not be overlooked. I purposely downplayed his mention so I could do this. So the music was done by John Barry, the British composer and conductor of film music. He has composed the scores for 11 of the James Bond films between 1963 and 1987, as well as arranging and performing the James Bond theme for the first film in the series, 1962's Dr. No. Um, He also wrote the Academy Award-winning scores to the films Dances with Wolves and Out of Africa, Hmm. uh, as well as The Scarlet Letter, Chaplin, The Cotton Club, Game of Death, The Tamarind Seed, Mary Queen of Scots, and the theme for the television series Persuaders. Um, The the James Bond movies that he has done, because you know, like we, we need to, we need to talk about these. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a few here. Um, he's done uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, Casino Royale, Goldfinger, um, Moonraker, Octopussy, uh, The Living Daylights was his last one. Um, just honestly. Uh, an impressive freaking guy for for uh, composing the music for this random Disney sci-fi movie. I was very surprised. Mm. Um, and one thing that I will say that I noticed while watching The Black Hole is that the score... Did something that movies don't do anymore and was definitely more popular of the 70s. And that is to just have, like we mentioned in, in Star Wars, the heavy usage of motifs. Um, so the, the movie starts out and you very, very quickly... You learn the musical motif for the black hole, and they use it. And John Barry works it in, and he incorporates it into different scenes. And you know, it's just like it's it's bizarre, it's weird, it's it's very sci fi and alien sounding, but it's distinct. And um, and that kind of style of composing is my favorite. And I think that I noticed it right away. You know, I wasn't sitting there going, "Wow, this music's so great," but I was saying this music has presence. Like I notice it. This is. This is definitely playing a, a role in the movie, um, which I like a lot. Um, but yeah, John Barry is a legend of cinema and composition. Um, I I didn't want to say too much more other than just compose yourself, check out some James Bond music, and check out the works of uh, John Barry because, damn it, he deserves it. And uh yeah, that's it. That'll be uh, nice. the, this episode of Compose Yourself.
1: Awesome. Awesome, awesome. So uh I know uh we're running a little late, but I definitely want to mention I just wanna uh uh promote uh the upcoming uh uh not crow's nest, but the uh the break. Uh so a week from today we'll be airing uh well, a, to me, a very special episode because uh, um, I'll be hosting uh, the episode with uh, with some special guests, like some um, like one of the, the biggest fans. Uh, I'll be interviewing uh, Jason Nashcraft and Heather Smith of Hellion Prime and of Romulus. Heck of yeah. Romulus is a Star Trek themed metal band. They just started. They just today, as of this recording, they. Uh, released the the full-length uh, video for the, the single, and I hope I can play it for you guys. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. I uh, will be geeking, geeking out over Star Trek with the guys, so it should be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it's going to be really fun for sure. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yep, I can't wait for excited. that. Um, and uh, I just want to Actually, drop a prom real quick. I am going to be appearing as my author self, Steve Ann Sampson, at Monsta Expo, halfway to Halloween presents Ladies of Horror. And that is Saturday, April 29th and Sunday, April 30th. That is uh, in Fairport, Massachusetts. Uh no, sorry, Fairhaven is the town. Fair, Fair yeah. Fairhaven, Massachusetts. Uh, if you look up Monster Expo halfway to Halloween, ladies of horror pops up and you can find it pretty easily. Um, I will be there at the Rough House Publishing Booth, but more importantly, I will be debuting the actual real life. Oh my god, it's freaking real. It's in my hands. I can't even believe it. Finally, the physical paperbacks and hard copies of Black Honey and Other Unsavory Things. My new, my new. Book that I've been talking about for quite a while. It was actually supposed to come out at the end of last year and it didn't. So now it's coming out. So there you go. Uh, Yeah, sometimes things happen and delays happen, but you know what? You're going to love it. And there's a lot of extras that we took our time on. It's really the extras that really were the problem. You know, we had to, we had to. You know there were some delays with the extras, but it everything came out amazing. And there's there's so many fun things that we packed in with this. If you're interested in r- learning about this new book, please go to RoughhousePublishing.com. And there's a banner at the top for Black Honey. You can read all about it and see all the different versions. And you can technically still pre order it there, uh, but it will be released to the world in a couple of weeks. So I just wanted to mention that. So yeah. We've been, yeah, we've been to Monster Expo every, every time. Uh, so this is like our fifth one. We've been to all, all five of them and it's always a really good time. So, um, and if you, if you, if you come, uh, what you want to do for food is you want to go across the street to, to the, uh, the VFW. You go to the VFW, you get yourself the best eleven dollar fish and chips you've ever had in your life. It's just (laughs) unbelievable. It's so weird how good the freaking VFW. I never would have even gone, but Lisa Wilcox from Friday the Third from Nightmare on Elm Street four and five was there at the first one, and she's like, "I had the best steak for lunch," and it's like. Really, Lisa Wilcox? Well, like, where did you go? And she's like, I don't know. I went to that place across the street. It had the letters. And I'm like, what place was she talking about? So when I went outside, I'm like, well, gee, what place is across the street that has letters? It's the VFW. Oh my God. She's talking about the VFW. Does she not know what they are? Do they not have them in California or something? Like, I don't know. I really have no idea. So I'm like, well, screw it. It's good enough for frigging Lisa Wilcox. I'm going to go. And I went, and I, I didn't have the steak, but I did have the best goddamn $11 freaking fish and chips ever. It's unbe- It really is unbelievable. You guys, just, you know what? Just go there and just have the fish and chips. Don't even worry about coming to our booth. It's fine. Just make sure you have the $11. <laughs> <cookie>. <laughs> do nice. it. Nice. Do it. Just
1: do it. AP, do you have anything to promote? You're good? or
3: I, I don't, other than I will also be at Monster Expo. with.
1: Paris Hell, yeah. We, nice. Yeah, that's right. Eight Bit Alchemy is
2: holding down the fort with me while uh w- while Derek Rook recovers from his he had some surgeries and stuff. If uh, if you know you know if you don't that's okay. But um yeah he uh, he's still like uh you know recovering. But we're gonna have like almost retro red octopus like at the Roughhouse Publishing booth. It's gonna be insane.
3: Retro Rough House to Puss. Yeah, you get you get
2: two <laughs> thirds of retro red octopus, and there's eleven dollar fish and chips across the street. I mean nice. I mean come
3: on. I mean come on. Oh uh, yeah, seriously. seriously. Just just go. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right that wraps up the episode if you haven't jumped ship by now we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome if you like what you've heard please hit that little subscribe button and like us on facebook and twitter as well as being part of the the Nibir podcast network retro doc Puss is still a full fledged member of the dorking podcast network so if you get a chance please check out our sister shows like Epic Tales from the Sewers, The Weekly Warpipe, Throwdown Thursday, Let's Not with Michelle and Sam, The Scream Sisters, Ben and Alan, and so many more. Yas! So for more information, or to subscribe to us for any of these awesome shows, please visit thedortman.com, and be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Debbie Burns Coffee, Coffee to Die for, please don't die. I have been your host, Nintendro, and thank you so much for listening.
0: Catch you later.